Hello, everyone. We're back for the end. <laughs> I hear nervous laughter in the background. Everyone, everyone is aware that this is coming to an end, whether that be the end of you or the end of the campaign or both. <laughs> I won't waste time with a recap. We'll oh. simply get right into it. Because into the chaos. Right into mm. the chaos. Because presumably oh. anyone who's watching or listening to this later on is binge watching the whole thing, so He's urban. They've already seen the first half. Let us begin. So, Bobbit. This large building is filled with crates and boxes, an old wooden long table decorated with various parchments and drawings takes up the centre of the room. As you hoist Zinhorn over the threshold into the building and Dragonbait and Messica come behind you, pulling Artis, who is even now still screaming in pain as Glacius form on his skin. The elf woman in front of you gestures to a makeshift bed in the corner of the building couple of bedrolls laid out on the floor, mattresses stuffed with straw and hay. And she says, lay your friend down here. He'll be safe. That marking on the wall outside, that glyph that you saw, it's a powerful ward, masks your presence while in this building. You're safe from the dark spirits prying eyes here. Wait, is... Wait, is that what those people out there were? She shakes her head, and she says, They... They are the Shadowkin. They work within the maze and live in this area until eventually sacrificing themselves to the conduit, the device that feeds power through the maze into the Blight Spire. She says, they are of, they mean you no harm, but still, they serve as eyes and ears for Shadowlack, for Shavalak. You're, you're safe in this building. You may rest here. Help your friend, please. She rushes over to the bedroll at the back of the room, moves a couple of objects out of the way, some crates and crates and bottles and an old backpack clearing the space for dragon bait to step forwards and lower Artis down. Artis screams as he close as the eyes as the eyes in his sockets roll back in his head and he falls limp with a thump lying down unconscious on the bedroll. Okay, thank God. He stopped screaming. Now I can actually look and try and figure out what's going on with him. Although, I suppose it's pretty obvious what's going on with him, but let's check anyway. Or lower... I need to roll to check what he's doing. Hmm? Well, first you lower Zinhorn down. You carry Zinhorn across the small 
cramped room, lower him down on the bedroll next to Artis, and Bulb comes forwards and silently pulls out of his pouch some bandages and ointments and attends to Zinhorn's wounds, and you hear Zinhorn groan as he stirs and pulls himself up into a sitting position, leaning against the wall, and Zinhorn, you take in this strange scene before you, this dark, cramped, dimly lit building, these three people standing around, a female elf, a young female halfling, and a happy-looking gnome with a long blonde beard what did you wish to do Bobbin? Um, is there anything I can do to try and check to see what exactly I can do to help artists? artists yep artists. I'd like you to please make an arcana check okay that is a 27 27 Move over to Artis. As you walk towards him, the long-bearded gnome jumps off the parchment-covered table in the centre of the room and hobbles over to Artis, and the two of you lean over him as you examine the glaciation that has spread across Artis's arm and chest and is now slowly creeping up his neck. Next to you, the gnome runs his hand over Artis's body, muttering arcane phrases under his breath. It appears that the Ring of Winter is acting of its own accord. At least this is what you presume has happened. And something has forced it to wrench control of itself away from Artis and use its powers effectively to seal him, to seal his consciousness away, remove him from the equation so that it may act without anyone else's interference. Okay. The gnome whistles and then he looks over at you. And he says, hmm, I think Shevelak may fear the power that your friend here carries. I know mm-hmm. not what manner of power he has, but it is obvious he wields something terrible and great, something which Shevelak has sensed entering his city and has taken measures to remove. Yeah. Well, you're not wrong. Short version, um, really powerful ring of magic, horribly cursed, evil spirit lives inside. Supposedly he's meant to help us return Mesro to where it's meant to come from. So I'm guessing none of that works for his plans. Not sure what I can the do as far The gnome raises the... his eyebrows and whistles. Would that be the Ring of Winter you're referring to, lass? Mm, yep. Oh, Bobbit, by the way, sorry for the introduction, for missing the introduction. You know, one friend's dying, other associates freezing to death. 
Uh, things like that. Varga, says the gnome, holding out a tiny hand. You take it and shake it. Behind you, the female elf steps forwards and she says, I am Lythene. I was the leader of this party of adventurers. The halfling nods and she simply just says, you can call me Shadow. So, how did you guys get here? It's not exactly an easy place to get to. Lythene lowers her head and she says, We are from Neverwinter, across the ocean from Cholt. We were young adventurers, new in our careers, and we journeyed to Cholt when we heard of the Death Curse. We intended to find and eliminate it and have our names go down in legend as heroes. However, we were unable to find the Death Curse. Someone else got to it first, but... After the curse had ended, we continued exploring the jungle's many ruins. After all, if we could not go down in history as heroes, we could do the next best thing. Retire from Cholt's rich under all the treasure in the ruins of the Tabaxi Empire that we could plunder. The halfling shadow nods and she says, mm, Seemed like a good plan to me. Only near the ruins of Mesro, we stumbled upon some sort of portal. It brought us into the shadow fell and we ended up here while searching for a way out. Lythene nods. She sadly shakes her head and she says, Yes. Many within our group began acting strangely on the first day, and on the following day, they disappeared. It was then that we discovered that secret passages lead from this area into the shifting maze. Varga here placed a ward upon this building in hopes of keeping everyone hidden until we could recover the missing members of our party. But so far, We've made no progress in actually entering the maze. It is far too dangerous for the three of us to deal with on our own. We fear that our missing comrades have now been converted to the Shadowkin and have joined the others who live within this city. Eventually feeding the conduit the eternal fire that the dark spirit Shavalak uses to absorb the life force of the Shadowkin and use it to extend his powers outside of this realm and enforce all of his arcane laws here in the Shadewalk. Hmm. I see his, uh... Bobbit's eyes shift for a minute as Elisina comes back in, just starts muttering to herself, going, So that's how he extends his domain. Clever. Brutal and ruthless, but 
effective. Oh, right, sorry. Um, Alessander, I'm not going to sit here and explain this, but... Also, sorry for stealing your thunder. That was us with the death plate, by the way. No hard feelings. Sorry you ended up here. The halfling steps forward. She brushes a lock of hair out of her face, and with a scowl, she looks at you, and she says, mm, No hard feelings. At this rate, I would be happy if we could all just get back home alive. That's the spirit. Varga, um. still leaning over Artis, gazes at the Ring of Winter on Artis's finger. And then you hear him mutter more arcane phrases under his breath. This persists for about another minute. Then he looks up at you, Bulb, and Zinhorn, and he says, Well, yes, that's the Ring of Winter indeed. A powerful and legendary artifact. Probably one of the few things in existence that Shavalak would fear. One of the only things powerful enough to override the dark magic that Shavalak uses to maintain the properties of this shade walk. When you entered the city, Shavalak must have detected its power. And Shavalak's corruption has reached out to the entity within the ring, causing it to remove your friend from the equation. That's lovely and all, but we still need the ring to try and defeat him, so... Indeed, says Varga. I'm sure this is only temporary. If your friend had attuned to the ring... He must have established some measure of control over it. No, this is a temporary measure at most. A means to attempt to lock his consciousness away. If I were not here, I'm pretty sure your friend's plans would have well and truly been thwarted. But while I am here, I'm almost certain I can find a way to reverse what has been done, at least temporarily, so that your friend may use the ring as he intended. But it won't be easy, and it won't be something that I can do quickly. Well, that's a good thing we're ahead of schedule, then. Also good that you're here, because otherwise... Robert and I would probably have just tried to remove the curse, which would have lifted the attunement and probably made things worse. Yeah, we're pretty good like that. You know, solve one problem, cause two more. We're trying to fix that. I'm sorry, says Lythine, shaking her head. We understand that your friends are, after all, anyone who's not a shadowkin in this city is not yet corrupted by Shavalak, but... You'd never mm -hmm. quite explained why you were here. Oh, it's easy. We're gonna kill Shavalak. Mm -hmm. The three adventurers exchange glances and... Mm. Surprisingly, you see the three of them smile and looks of hope flush mm. over their faces. You expected that they would be cynical. 
Well, one, one half of us did. <laughs> Lythine simply says, Well, isn't that interesting? You see, myself, Shadow, and Varga have spent the last three ten days researching the people of this city and the city itself, and to see if there was a way to free the Shadow King, the Shadowkin from Shavalak's influence. The ward that Varga placed on this building can only last a few more days, and we weren't sure what we would be able to do on our own, and our time was running out, but your arrival has given us hope. It's obvious just by looking at you and the fact that your friend possesses such an artifact that you are far more capable than either of us three. Uh, I did beat yourselves up. You're probably pretty good. Wait, how many other people did you have in your party? Just, just so She bows her head and she says, There were six of us when we set uh, out. Now only three. Our fighter, our bard, and... Sadly, our paladin Ooh. are gone. Yeah, in fact, they can corrupt paladins is a concern. Hmm. She says there is only us left. A cleric of Sehanin, a rogue, and a conjurer. She says, but, if such is the case, and you are the ones who ended the death curse, then we may finally have a chance to purge the dark spirit from this domain. The conduit is nearby, it's just on the very edge of the settlement, but the blight spire can only be reached through the shifting maze, and the maze is designed to break the will of those who travel through it. Perhaps if the three of us and all of you join forces, we may be able to reach the Blight Spire and still be able to take the fight to Shavalak. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Bob Sirs just shifts her head over her shoulder to look over at like the Zinhorn Bolt going. What do you guys think? You're usually wiser than Bob it is, so you guys can make decisions, right? Bob just... Bob just looks mm. off, staring at the wall, pondering something, and he says, mm, mm. I can only hope that the druids in Mesro will make some measure of ease for us. Oh, yeah, that was the thing we're doing. Zinhorn, what do you think? This looks like an artist. Mm. Mm. Well, it can't be any worse than this one has been to us. <laughs> mm. Yeah, but just because he's a jerk doesn't mean he has to die. Dragon oh, bait rounds. And... Yeah, just because he's... <laughs> doesn't mean he deserves to die. Um... Dragonbait frowns, his saurian fingers resting on the hilt of his blade still, and he says, hmm, 
If the paladin among your number was corrupted, I fear for my chances in the maze. Say we do get to the Blight Spire, how many of us will still be alive? Two? Three? How are we to fight Shavalak in such a state? But we have more chances of making it with more people. Indeed, says Sir Lucian. He says, more cannon fodder beside me so that I may charge ahead and do the heroics. Yeah, as he says that, Boba just whips around going, Boba doesn't want to hear that sort of tone from her, then notices how. Like, wait. Lucian, how old are you? Lucian looks back, he says, I'm 34 years of age. Old and... enough to know that our chances here are very slim, and I feel, even with our combined forces, we may not make it to the Blight Spire at all. Yeah. How old does an elf have to be to be considered an adult? <laughs> Zinhorn, you know this to be about 80 to 90 years of age is when an elf is considered an adult amongst elves. <laughs> yeah, about maybe about 80 years old. Isn't it? Yeah. At this point, just casually crosses the room, walks over to Seleucid and literally pats him on the head and go, in that case, hush child, the adults are talking now. <laughs> Look over at Messica. She glances back at you, and suddenly you see her eyes flare up, and she grits her teeth together, a sudden look of resolve on her face. She strides forwards, leans over the parchment-covered table, and she says, I know what to do. I have a plan. Now, at, at this Alessandra turns back and goes, Now, when you say you have a plan, is this your plan, or is this my father's plan? She says, Well, it occurred to me just now in the moment, but no doubt it is born of your father's wisdom that still lingers in my mind. She looks over at Artis lying on the bedroll, and she says, Gnome! You're sure that you can restore Artis from this state, at least temporarily? Varga nods and says, Yes, lass, I would say about eight to nine, maybe ten hours, once I prepare the necessary rituals, I could have him up and about. Won't take long before Shavalak exerts his influence again. You would only have... It may be an hour at most, but it would be long enough for your friend to act. Use the ring at least. Messica nods. Mm. She says, very well then. We use that time to rest here in safety. And then, if Artis can use the ring on the conduit at the right moment, freezing mm. these fires that you say burn within, Shavalak can be ambushed before he or his forces have time to react. 
So, mm. Alessander, Zinhorn, Sir Lucian, and Bulb will travel through the maze and reach the Blight Spire. When they get there, they will give us the signal. Myself, the three adventurers here, and Artis will converge upon the conduit and weaken it. And then we can use that window to bring the Dark Spirit down, attacking him when he's at his weakest. Zinon just looks over and goes, rest sounds good. <laughs> mm. We don't really require sleep, so we can always help try to get this uh, ritual thing, or whatever the gnome is working on, up and running that much smoother. Maybe even try to extend how long he can not be a Popsicle. As you say this, in the background, Varga is already drawing an arcane circle in chalk around Artis's bedroll and humming as he does so, sprinkling spell components in the circle. Eyes of Newt. Ah, black powder, can't forget that. Messica says, Messica looks at you and she says, so, what do you think? We'll have to split our forces, but I feel that this will probably give us a better chance than all of us blindly charging towards the Blight Spire. Mm. Fuck the Blight Spire. (laughs) Hello. Also, hi everyone. Hello. Shadow, the halfling, just looks up and she says, I agree with the lady here. Me and the elf and the gnome will have a far easier time securing the conduit than taking any steps into that maze. (sighs) Fair enough, very well. Um, Would you be able to provide any sort of descriptions of your... Comrades, just in the off chance that we come across them over in there. Shadow looks up at you and she says, huh, I doubt you'll be able to save them at this point, but... Hmm. A human... Would... Hmm. A human woman. She's the bard. A half-elf male. That would be the fighter. And a half orc, the paladin. Hmm. Hmm. She says, so "Don't then... waste time looking for them. They knew the risks, and they're likely long gone by this point. Let's save our own skins." Hmm. I thought I was the one dealing with treasure. Very well. Can't say I didn't offer. Oh, by the way, while I'm here and I have other people to talk to on this, I'm uh, going to pull out the uh, Oathbringer stuff that we found with the hags. Would anyone be able to assist me with this? It doesn't seem to want anything to do with me at this point. It's rather annoying, actually. Lythene looks at you. She raises her right eyebrow and she says, What seems to be the problem? Well... Hmm. 
Seems to be an incredibly powerful stuff, but it doesn't seem to want anything to do with me. Shadow the Halfling steps forwards and she says, Ah! Well, I can help you with that. Hmm? Do tell. She says, Ensure your friends are settled. While everyone is resting up, I'll show you how to make some stubborn magical items do your bidding for you. <laughs> Interesting. Very well. So do you agree to Messica's plan? Mm, or would you no, rather combine the two parties and go into the maze altogether? Uh, I will just uh, update. Just yeah, just for, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, basically, these three fighters that well, three adventurers. Um, yeah, that's the word I was going for. Didn't want that blank on that. Uh, basically, the idea is Messica Artis once he's recovered because um, the adventurers wizard is currently trying to make it so he can still use his powers. Uh, going to basically wait for us to get to the Blight Spire, and then once we get there, we send them a signal, they secure, and then freeze the conduit, which is essentially what's giving Chevrolet the bulk of his strength, which would then allow us to go and fight him. Yes, or there's this the other option. The yeah, the other option is quite literally everyone goes in the maze yeah, and we just... These three the adventurers there. join with you guys and Messica and Dragonbait and you all go through the maze together hoping that through sheer numbers you'll be able to succeed and what sorry what was that about the conduit securing it so the conduit as the adventurers have explained it is powered by the life force of the shadowkin the people who live within the city they sacrifice themselves to it and the Conduit uses this life energy to allow Shavalak to exert his influence over this city and beyond. It is literally the, is literally the thing that amplifies his power. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the first plan was someone goes there and secures yeah. it. So the, the first yeah. plan was that when Artus is temporarily... Uh, temporarily restored from the state he's currently in, that he and Messica and these adventurers go to the conduit and they use the power of the Ring of Winter to freeze the conduit, essentially turning it off, weakening Shavalak when you fight him. Yeah, which would be then fought by us and, well... Yeah. Okay, so either way we need to brave... The maze, maze, yes. There's, there's no getting around the maze. You okay. need to get to the Blight Spire regardless. Okay, and have they explained what the Night Spawn is? They have not. Okay, okay. Mm. They probably wouldn't know what it is because Lyfeen yeah. explains that they've discovered the entrance to the maze but have not made any progress through the mazes. It's far too dangerous for them. Mm. Also, it's kind of our fault that they're here because they went and started looking through ruins because they came here to stop the Death Plague. Then after we stopped it first, they kind of started looking through ruins and wound up here by accident. It's not our fault. 
<laughs> I mean, it's not our fault we're awesome. If they'd been well, better adventurers, they would have got him back. <laughs> it's not Bold's oh, yeah, fault. Actually, yeah. <laughs> he had nothing to do with that. <laughs> um, I, my opinion would be limiting his power may be the best option that we have. Yes. And this possibly combined with the ritual that your druids are performing on the material plane might make your fight against Shavalak far more survivable. <laughs> yeah, I love how you paused because there wasn't really a better word than that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. Dual front, crippling him from both sides and attempt to try and make him weak enough that we can actually survive against him. Well then, Messica says, clapping her hands together, it's settled. I will lead these adventurers and artists to the conduit. We will assault the conduit, and you will assault the Blightspire at the same time. And hopefully, that will be all we need. Is Dino Boy coming with us, or is he going with you guys? Because he seems to be left out of the... Dragonbait looks over at artists, and he says... I'll be happy to follow whoever requires me. So long as somebody is here to watch over Artis, I'll not leave him alone in this city. Ward on the outside of this building or not. Hmm. Messica, how do you feel about watching over him? Messica shrugs and she says... Well, I suppose someone has to make sure he's able to perform his duty. She looks over at Dragonbait and she says, You go into the maze. I'll make sure Artis is safe against my better judgment. Look, we all want to hit him a little bit, but we do actually need... Seconded! Yes, well... (laughs) Let's save the universe first, and then we'll get about giving him his lumps. Dragonbait nods, and he says, Very well. If you will have me, I will accompany you into the maze. Mm. Might be good to have another frontliner. Indeed. Especially one who's not a child. So Lucian just glares at you, and then Lythene steps forwards, and she says, Well, now... By Varga's reckoning, you have about eight hours before we have to act. So, please, make yourselves comfortable as best you can. Attend to your wounds. Get some sleep. As soon as Varga's ritual is ready, we will begin. So you get a long rest. As you scramble, making yourselves as comfortable as you can in this tiny, cramped room. Carving out some space on the dusty floor using threadbare blankets and straw pillows to approximate some level of comfort. During the long rest, Shadow approaches Bobbit and Mm -hmm. takes her aside. And as a thief, Shadow attempts to show Bobbit how to make use of her Use Magic Items ability. Oh. Oh, that could be good. 
so Bobbit, I would yeah. like you to please make, first of all, an intelligence check. Just a straight intelligence check. Okay. Got two brains here. One of them's going to be good. There's uh, a 19 pass. I'll get to that. So, oh no. Shadow spends about an hour explaining the basic principles of how a rogue is able to attune to magic items regardless of restrictions. She states mm -hmm. how part of it is blanking your mind, disguising those elements of yourself that the magic item will rebel against, while also using, also using such force of will that you're able to trick the magic item into believing that you are the host that it can attune to. I would now like you to please make a performance check. Performance? Yes. Okay. That's an interesting one. Let's check. Ooh, that's a 23. Thank you, Charisma. So, after she explains this, she demonstrates taking the staff and attuning to it. And you notice as she attunes to it, the way she holds herself, the way she walks, and her body language mimic the mannerisms of one who would attune to the staff. She's faking it until she makes it. She hands <laughs> the staff back to you. It says, now you try. You passed both of those checks. Oof. And so, when you attempt to attune to the staff, you find, to your great surprise, that it responds to you, becoming one with you and attuning to you. Oh, oh this is going to be fun. She explains that as you're not a rogue and as you haven't as you, as you haven't actually trained to do this on the same level that she has, you'll probably only be able to maintain the attunement for a short while, 24 hours at most. But she smiles and she says, pretty good for a first-timer. You should at least get some use out of it as you make your way through the maze. Hmm. Well, Bobbit has been told she picks up things pretty quickly. Hmm? Is there anything anyone else would like to do during a long rest? The druid ritual would not have started yet, would it? No, but it would be they would be starting to arrive in Mesro very soon, probably within the next 12 hours or so. So you're ahead of schedule, but provided, depending on how long it takes you to get through the maze, you should reach the Blight Spire roughly around the time when they would begin to conduct their ritual. Okay, I... 
I'm going to rest the first six hours. Yep. And then the last two hours I can do something and that still counts as the... Yes, as long as, as it's not strenuous, isn't light it? Light activity, yes. Would... Would... Sitting on... What, how's the ground here? Is it dirt? Or yes, is it, it all... Yeah? Dirt. Yep. For the last two hours, if it doesn't count as strenuous, I would like to put my roots into the dirt and meditate and try to expand my consciousness to see if there are any druids who, like, start the ritual early and see if I can communicate with the druidic powers if it's possible. you can do that. So you rest up for the first six hours and then when you awaken, you step out to near the doorway that leads outside into the city where where there is some more space in this cramped room. And then you sit down on the hearth and extend your roots, burying them into the grey-coloured dirt beneath you. And in front of you, as Bobbit takes the staff from Shadow and tries to pretend to be someone of non-evil alignment to attune to it. Yeah, well, it's a good person, definitely. You close your eyes and begin to meditate. Would like you to please make a nature check. Okay, nature, nature, nature. I need to get all my vampire dice out of <laughs> my <laughs> dice tray. And get a d20. What is oh. my nature? Nature is plus seven. That is a 22. 22. And so, as you dig your roots into the earth, close your eyes and begin to meditate, an image slowly emerges in your mind. A place that you recognise, the ruined, weed-choked, half-flooded streets of ruinous Mesro. And as the image gets clearer and clearer and comes into focus. You see a group of six humanoids wearing green emerald enclave cloaks slowly making their way down the street towards, in the distance, the towering temple of Uptow. You feel something crawling squirming, touching the edge of your mind. And then, in the image before you, you see one of the druids stop, raise his hand to the side of his head. He is aware of your presence, and you are aware of his. Um, okay, uh, I'm going to try and say greetings. This is Bulb. In the, uh, in the shade walk? Yeah, in the shade walk. Yeah, this is Bob. I'm in the shade walk. The druid holds out his hand, saying something to the others, and they all halt. And then you hear the druid's voice in your head. Archdruid, we have arrived in Mesro just in time. Within the hour, we will have arrived 
the temple of Ubtau and will begin preparations for the ritual. Uh, good. Is it just the six of you? He says, the six of us to begin. Another six await outside of the city. And a thirteenth will arrive via plant from Waterdeep. Malinor Fellbranch. And then the thirteen uh, of us will conduct the ritual. Ah, uh, good. Good. That's... Will be good. We are currently at the beginning of a maze and we'll need to make our way through the maze. Uh, we are hoping to... Uh, uh, oh, words, words. Uh, deprive Shavalak of some of his power. Um, but if on the timeline that you say we should, we should arrive to confront Shavalak after just after you have started your ritual. The druid says, indeed. And once the ritual has begun, we will continue to reinforce it for as long as we can, continuing to cast plant growth and all of the other spells required to purify this area until we run out of energy. Um, would I know of any spells that would be better suited to... Like, would I know what spell is best suited? Well, the ones you originally to... suggested would appear to be the ones that are best suited. The best okay. way to displace Shavalak's influence in this place is by restoring healthy plant life and growth. Okay. Restoring um... the jungle, essentially. Okay, I'm going to say... Uh... You're all well-accomplished druids. I respect that. Um, but my advice, and you may obviously not to use it if you wish, is to start off slow and work your way up so that the harder, the more stronger spells are in effect as we arrive. The druid says, very well, the ritual shall increase in intensity as it goes on. Hopefully, just... this will provide some assistance to you. Hopefully, because if not, uh, none of us will be returning. Our thoughts go with you, says the druid. May Abtau watch over you. May the sun shine on you and the, water and the rains come evenly. You open your eyes, instantly dispelling the image in your mind and feeling the presence of the other druids disappear. You are once again alone in the Shade Walk, but you have imparted your orders. Hopefully they weren't wrong. We shall find out. Zinhorn, yes. is there anything you will be doing during the long rest? No, just focusing on the task at hand, making sure that he's fully prepared yep. for whatever lies ahead. Maybe whatever lies ahead, yeah. Knowing perhaps he is going to the end. 
with that, a sense of foreboding hangs over all of you over these eight hours. Make notes for if Bulb survives to create the Druid schools. Yes, yes. Perhaps he distracts himself from perhaps knowing that he's going to his death by writing down how his Druid schools are going to work. So for the next eight hours, a sense of dread hangs over all of you as you prepare for what is to come. And then you all climb to your feet, have one last look over at your gear, exchange silent glances, and then Lythene steps forwards towards the thick, wooden door that separates all of you from Shavalak's domain and pushes it open leading you outside as Messica and Varga remain within preparing for the ritual to be conducted on Artis then leads you through the settlement and through a crowd of Shadowkin into a dark alleyway at the very back of the settlement that leads onwards into shadow. The alleyway continues on for... continues on for several minutes, leading well and truly away from the settlement itself. And then, ahead of you, you hear Lythene. So, hear Lythene open her mouth and inhale as you step out of the mouth of the narrow, shadowy alley. The center of this 50-foot wide circular area is dominated by a 20-foot-tall cylindrical monolith made of a rough-hewn black rock. Five feet up from the ground, a three-foot-wide hole is carved out of the centre, within which burn flames of deep reds and violets, surrounded by small crackles of red lightning. That is the conduit, says Lythene. Separate from the settlement, yet close enough that the Shadowkin are inevitably drawn to it. She gestures, and sure enough, you see three Shadowkin shuffling across the open area towards the conduit, all of them appearing very sickly and emaciated. Do, we, do any of you do anything? Are uh, they? Well, they both just staring at this thing like a moth at a friggin' bug zapper. It's just like, uh, are they uh, violent? I'm. They don't, don't appear to be violent. They're just wearing tattered grey cloaks. Does they don't even look like they've noticed you? Their backs are yeah. turned to you, and they're just shuffling across the open space towards yeah. the conduit. Yeah, I don't believe they're violent. It's just they. Technically functions like eyes and ears for Trevor Yep. So you do want no, to no, step no, no, no. out? Do you want to step out and make yourselves known, or perhaps just wait until they pass by? 
I guess we can wait until they pass by. Lythine nods, holding up her hand, indicating that you should halt, and then you watch as eventually the three Shadowkin gather in front of the cylinder. The flame within erupts and showers over the Shadowkin. They burn, screaming in terrified pain for several seconds until the last cinders burn away, leaving no trace of the three Shadowkin. Oh. Oh. That sucks. Lythine looks at you, her lips pursed, and she says, When the Shadowkin have exhausted themselves and can work no longer within the maze, they are drawn to the conduit, and they sacrifice their life energy to power it. The entrance to the maze is beyond here, she says. Follow me. And then While just, we're walking, yep. um, can I just ask, has anyone tried to fly over the walls to the flat spire? Going to ask her? Yes, I would like to ask her. She says, Varga tried it. Cast fly on himself. Reached the top of one of the walls. Flew over it and then promptly dropped down in the settlement square. Uh, okay, so it teleports. Okay. Hmm. Uh, Although that's... Spell. Magical. She said... I wonder if Wild Shape would work. Perhaps. She says, on other occasions, we tried to see if we could climb the walls. Shadow tried to throw some of her grappling hooks, but the ropes were never quite long enough. No matter how much, no matter how many ropes we tied end on end, no matter how we tried to lengthen them, they would always seem to fall just short. Yeah, so, no matter how, so can't climb it, can't fly. Um, a short rest is still only ten minutes, isn't it? It is, yes. Okay, well, when we get to the conduit and the others are doing what they're doing, I want to try and yep. test something. So you move through the open area, coming to the conduit, and then Lythine begins to lead you past it. And as you pass it, you look into the hole in the stone pillar and see those flames still violently burning, perhaps slightly more vibrant now that they've consumed the life energy of the three Shadowkin. She leads you to a stone wall behind the conduit, about 20 feet high. And then she stops, turns around to face you, and she says, The entrance to the maze is here. Are you guys going to be okay holding on to this while we go through the maze? She says... While they don't, while they don't seem the hostile, I can't imagine that they're going to simply just let you guys stand here and take it. She says, They never gather here in huge numbers. Only the ones at the end of their lives are drawn here. 
If they attack us, they will be coming in small groups. I believe myself, Varga, Shadow, and your friends should be able to handle it, but just the same, when you enter the maze, try not to linger. Somehow I don't think that's going to be a problem. She looks at each of you. She says, I know how to open the entrance. Are you ready? I... Open the entrance? Uh, how long did it take to walk here from the settlement? Only about ten minutes or so. Okay, I'm going to say I would like to try something. Yep, um, everyone's all ears. The guy who cast Fly, he came back unharmed? He did, yes. Okay, I'm going to wild shape into a giant eagle. Yep. And I'm going to try and fly above the walls and then get maybe 50 feet above the walls and then fly towards the center. Very well. You transform into a giant eagle and Lythene watches as you flap your wings and take flight, flying up above until the conduit is nothing more than a tiny speck below. And then you begin to fly towards the centre of the maze. Nothing stops you. You can fly above the maze and you can see it shift and change shape underneath. But then, as you reach the centre of the maze and begin to descend, tendrils of shadow reach up from within the shifting maze, quickly reaching you. And instantaneously, you find yourself descending down once again to the open area in front of the conduit. You land in front okay. of the others. And Welcome back. That's... Okay, okay, okay. How high off the ground was I? About 50 feet. And it's every 10 feet that you fall, you take a d6 of damage? Yes. Okay, before I shift back, did I shift back when I no, teleported you haven't back? haven't shifted back yet. Okay, I'm going to fly back, and then as I get 60 feet, I'm going to wild ship back into my normal form. Yep. So you don't tell the others of this because you have a feeling no, no, they I try just, to I stop just, you. I just immediately take off again. But you look at you barely even glance at them. You take off again, flying up above the maze. This time higher than before. And then, when you reach about sixty feet, you wild shape back into your furbolg shape and immediately begin plummeting through the air down towards the maze. And sure enough. As you draw closer and closer to the maze, the tendrils of shadow reach up from within the twisting corridors below, grappling you, and you find yourself plummeting down towards the conduit, falling and landing in the concrete open area, taking... 23 points of bludgeoning damage as you land with a thud in front of everyone else. Hmm. Well, that's not going to work. 
Mm. And I'm going to drink one of my greater healing potions. <laughs> uh, that's uh, 44. Yes. Lythine just shakes her head and she says, Shavalak is the master of this domain. Do you really think he would let people just pass over this maze he has constructed precisely to destroy their will? And how dumb would you feel if it worked? She just nods and she says, but it didn't. No, it didn't, but now we know. Um, it's 44 plus 4. Yes, Sorry. Yes, yes. Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, Bob's assistant, they're going, hmm, missing teleport. Uh, flying doesn't work, wild shape doesn't work. Bob's already tried using teleportation in a dangerous realm before, so we're going to leave that alone for now. Lythine just uh, looks at you and she says, Are you ready? Oh. She nods. I'm about as ready as I'm gonna be. She turns around and places her hand on an unmarked brick in the stone wall. And then, after about ten seconds, a swirling portal flashes into existence on the side of the wall, filled with smoke and shadows. She takes a step oh. back, gestures towards it and says, good luck. Our hopes and dreams go with you. May the sun shine on you. Sorry. That's okay, but it's used to pressure. Bob does a slight little bow and goes, may the sun shine on you. And with that, you take trepidatious steps forwards, reach out, Plunge your hands into the portal. Tendrils of smoky blackness reach out, grab hold of you, and with a lurch, pull you through the wall onto the other side. Hooray! Now we die. You appear in a you appear <laughs> in a long curving corridor that travels around corners to the north and south. The walls here are twenty feet high. There is no ceiling, instead replaced by a thick layer of dark, shadowy mist. So in order to reach the Blight Spire in this constantly shifting maze, you must make five correct choices of which direction to go. Each time you make a choice, you will encounter another randomly selected portion of the maze. Oh boy. So let us begin. Having no idea of your bearing, having no idea where you even are in relation to the conduit, you pick one direction, your immediate right, and begin walking down the long, curving corridor. I would like somebody to please roll a d100. 
Oh, this isn't even skill-based. This is just straight up just random, random. Well, it will oh, be skill-based when you make the choice of where to go after you in, uh, after the maze's random encounter. Okay. I'll explain uh, it when yeah, we get I'm, to it. You know what? I'm, just because it's random, random this time, I'll, I'll take the D100. All right, go time. ahead, D100. Okay, what have we got? 21. 21, lovely. After a few minutes of walking, you emerge in an area where the walls and floor are covered in patches of dark grey mould and fungus, which combust into poisonous spore clouds as you draw near, filling the corridor ahead with grey clouds of toxic gas. What would you like to do? Um, Jeweled craft to create gust of wind around us. Yep. So Bulb raises his staff and a gust of wind whooshes through the corridor, parting some of the toxins. If you'd like to move on, I would ask all of you to please make a con save with advantage as Bulb has parted some of the toxins and given you some room to move. Um, does Bobbit have to roll it all for Bobbit this? does. This is Shadow oh. Fell fungus. It is oh, entirely different. It, it ignores poison. Oh, natural 20. Natural 20. Natural 20. You sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> Wait, did you both just roll a goddamn net 20? Unnatural 20 for me. Oh, oh my no. god. I, wow, I got, a, I got a soft 20. I got a natural 20. So two natural 20s and a soft eye. One, uh, one natural 20, two soft 20s. And we're rolling ones at the end of this freaking maze. We're going to feel really stupid that we got it now. So Lucian uh, got a 15, which is a failure. What did you get, Bobbit? Soft 20. Soft 20. Everyone passes, save Sir Lucian. <laughs> Poor child. As you move through the corridor, bits of mould and fungus break off, dropping down into the maze proper, shooting out clouds of poisonous spores, but Bulb's gust of wind keeps clearing the air immediately ahead of you, and... You manage to make your way through without inhaling or touching any of the spores. Save for Sir Lucian, who prances ahead and says, Ooh, I'm an elf. I'm good at this. Nature. And promptly, promptly steps into a cloud of spores, inhaling a full mouthful and taking 33 points of poison damage. <sighs> Oh, this no. is this, this is where I wish technology was real because Bob would have been recording that for prosperity. <laughs> That's okay. Bob will remember this forever. <laughs> at, the at the funeral, he plays that video, and this is the moment where Sir Lucian met his downward spiral. I was going to say, just for a fun flavor thing, is uh, as we're having this conversation, just have Bob holding Blinky in her hand, all of a sudden Blinky opens his mouth and perfectly mimics that moment. <laughs> Nate, you just hear Nate. <laughs> Once you oh no, move... someone protect the child. <laughs> Once you move past the fungus, 
you find that the path splits into two possible options. It branches off to the right, but also moves straight ahead. Now, I took a spell. Um, it is a six-level spell. Oh. Is this place... Okay, the path... The spell that I'm wanting to use is Find the Path. Yep. Now, as written, if you name a destination of another plane of existence... A destination that moves, such as a mobile fortress, or a destination that isn't specific, such as a green dragon's lair, the spell fails. Is this place a destination that moves? It does not. Find the path will work. I'm using my six-level spell. Yep. So you cast Find the Path, focusing on the... Focusing on the Blight Spire, and faintly the path ahead of you begins to light up. And while the spell does not tell you exactly where to go, it will grant advantage on any insight checks made to determine the correct path. And you know what? That's better than nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, is that just for me or anybody for in the anyone. In the... For anyone. Okay, who's got the best insight? Nope. I've got a plus six. Yep, you may as well do it. I was going to say, look, I had to go through several... I went through several upgrades <laughs> and I still only have a plus three. <laughs> okay, well, may as well try. With advantage. Huh. Holy shit! I need to take uh, a picture of this. I need to take a picture of this. Did, did you double you net 20? get two 20? net 20s. I got two net 20s. Oh my god! Wait, so like you rolled both dice and they were both twenties? Yeah. That has to be a first for us. It yeah. does. Well, my god, the dice gods are planning on killing us all horribly because there's no way this is gonna last. But let's let it ride. Now, as you can see, there are no numbers on those upward-facing sides, yeah. which means they're both net twenties. Yeah. Well. Can I just find the entire way there? <laughs> you do determine, fo- closing your eyes and focusing on the spell, and you notice that the path leading to the right seems to glow ever so slightly brighter than the one straight ahead. The stones embedded into the floor take on a slightly brighter hue of grey. So would you like to go right? Yes. Very well. This is either going to work or it reverses the spell. This area. (laughs) That is a correct choice. You pick the right path and continue onwards in silence as the huge black stone walls seem to grow closer and closer together as the maze gets narrower and you almost find yourselves having to move in single file. Bob, as you were the one who picked where to go, please roll a d100. Yep. I'm just first getting rid of 100 gold out of my GP because I just realised I had it. Yeah, so a d100 you said? Yes. 
Let's see, the metal dice were nice to me in Empire. Uh, that is a 29. 29. Very well. After about another 15 minutes of walking, the walls expand outwards once again, opening up into a long, featureless 60-foot hallway. And as you step out into it, you see a multitude of large eyes open along each side of the walls. I need everyone to make a wisdom save, please. Oh. I like these. The walls <laughs> have eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Well, they were annoyed with the giant neon sign that popped up when you cast that spell saying, we are here. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm immediately paying. Oh, you went the other way, way, didn't you? Yep. 17. uh, 27, sorry. It it equals out to a 12, but it wasn't that one. I got a 17. Pass for Sir Lucian. So pass for everybody except Except for Bulb. And (laughs) Bulb, you see the eyes open, and as everyone else sees them and instinctually looks away, you find your gaze lingering upon the eyes for a second longer. One of them looks back at you, and then it begins to move out of the stone on a long eye stalk, and pew! Shoots a beam oh, of magic no. at you, and you take... 16 points of psychic damage and instantly your vision begins to blur and your head begins to spin and you're disoriented as I need to make constitution save to keep my spell that was a 22 so I have to keep my spell Mm. you do you do as and suddenly the shadows in the very center, very middle of the hallway, begin to waver and coalesce, and then something invisible makes itself known. Uh, A skeletal beholder, its head nothing more than a huge floating skull, its eyes flaming red orbs circling around it. Please roll for initiative. Oh, that looks so fucking metal. It does. Uh, am I uh, technically blind now? No, you just, you're okay. surprised. It's going to get a surprise okay. round on you. Fair enough. Uh, uh, ten. Ten. Nineteen. What was your Zinhorn? Twenty-one. Oh, it's going to save oh. first. Very well. <laughs> okay, so the Death Tyrant gets a, well, yeah, it gets a surprise Surprise round against Bulb. And so it is going to... uh, As soon as it materialises, the orbs slowly circling around it stop. Focus on Bulb and begin to fire their rays. And that will be... Let me see... Uh, so the first is a fear ray. Pew! A black beam strikes Bulb and hits him. Bulb, please make a wisdom save. DC 17. Damn it, that's a 14. Uh, you damn. are 
frightened for one minute. No, that's fair, that's fair. Terror paralyzing you as the second ray hits you. A sleep ray. Please make a DC 17 wisdom save. Oh, God. All of these dice hate me at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was that doing so well. <laughs> so you, you were really excited with how this was going, and then you got murdered by a goddamn freaking laser show. And now they're playing funny buggers on me, because that was another nat 20. <laughs> you succeed. The sleep ray hits you, and you feel, you feel your body lurch, but... The momentary disturbance is over as the fourth ray, the slowing ray, hits you. Please, please make a DC 17 deck save. Oh, this 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 is where I get fucked over. Okay, so Dex, uh, you were good to me. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a 17. 17. You pass. You duck as the slowing ray flies over you. In your fear, you hit the ground on all fours, scrambling to get away from the death tyrant. It is now the death tyrant's actual turn. Oh, God. It fires a ray at... uh, Who's it got it? It fires a ray at Zinhorn. Zinhorn, I need you to make a DC 17 deck save, please. Might 17 be- plus 9 was uh, 26. Yep. So as the death ray flies towards you, you duck. It sails over your head. The death tyrant fires another ray, this time at Bobbit. I need Bobbit to please make a DC 17 deck save. Okay. Oh, well, that's a 17 plus 3. Yep. So as the petrification ray shoots towards you, you dive out of the way. It hits the wall behind you. And then the third ray flies at Sir Lucian. And it is a sleep ray. He's going... It hits him. And as he sits there wavering back and forth, he rolls a nat one on his wisdom save and immediately falls face forward. Falls face forwards to the floor. And then he says, Wait, I'm an elf! And springs back up to his feet. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) I love that he was going to fall asleep anyway. It's like, wait. <laughs> oh, oh no, the child found the caffeine. Now we're never going to be able to put him to sleep. Zinhorn, it is your turn. Okay. So, um, just wanting to do something. My address levels. She's going to. Throw a frostbite, I guess. Yep. Con save. It's going to make a con save. That is a 17. Does not make it, which means it... Uh, 10 points of cold damage and disadvantage on weapon attacks, if it has any. Lovely. <laughs> so how much damage? Uh, 10. 10. Lovely. At the end of your... Are you going to move anywhere? Um... Yeah, I'm going to... 
moving off to the side. Sort of yep. hiding like that wall to the bottom side. Yep, so you just rush towards the wall, press up against it. At the end of your turn, pew! The Death Tyrant fires a ray at you. Please make a DC 17 deck save. That is a 17 plus 9 again. So yep. Is a... So the disintegration ray just grazes you, and you take 22 points of force damage. Ow. Yikes. Bobbit, you are up. Oh, so you like firing beams, huh? <laughs> Fine. Bobbit's good at beams. and going to shuffle just a tiny bit to the side here. Yep. And I'm going to move up next to the... Next the, to the uh, elf child. 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 It is child. child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really looking forward to seeing how he's going to ban me from all his favorites habits when he can't even go in there for the next 70 years. Good well, they, he looks <laughs> like an adult to anyone who's not an elf. Yeah, but we know. <laughs> And while deliberating over that one, we're just going to Eldritch Blast the lovely Death Tyrant. Yep. Okay. Uh, roll to hit it. Alright, we have a 21. That's a, a hit. That 20. I'm terrified with how many of these we've gotten so far today already. Yes. And a 26. Yeah, all three of those hit. Outstanding. I won't be using my spell slots just yet because I feel like I'm going to need them. We have... Damn it, I wish I'd rolled the 10th and that 21st, but never mind, so that's 15. There's going to be... Ah, crap, I blanked on the freaking hollow. I was doing this in my head thinking I was being really smart, <laughs> and then I blanked. <sighs> okay, yeah, I'm really glad I decided to add that up properly. That's going to be 48 points of force damage. Ooh, definitely nice. very nice. Yay! At the end of your turn... The Death Tyrant raises one of its wispy eye stalks, and it fails its wisdom save, so pew, it fires its ray at Sir Lucian instead. <laughs> he is going to make a deck save. He passes and dodges the petrification beam as it sails over his head. It is Dragon Bait's turn, and he moves 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. And he's going to use his dash action to run towards the Death Tyrant. And as he dashes, he raises his Holy Avenger sword and gets one bonus attack against the Death Tyrant. So that is an 11 as he swings the Death Tyrant razors off the floor and he cuts the air. Uh, Bulb, it is your turn. You must first run as far away as you can. 5, 10, 15, <laughs> 20, 25, 30. Now what do you wish to do? 
Uh, I have disadvantage on any direct attacks on him, don't I? Yes. Because you can um, see him, and you're in a I, corridor, so you can't exactly no. hide yeah. anywhere. No, that's fair, that's fair. And I also want to keep my concentration on... Yeah, on find the way. Yeah, find the way. Um... I'm just going to put... Uh, oh, wait, what's the range on Produce Flame? Uh, let's control flames. How did Dragon get all the way to the Death Tower? He used his dash. Kick? He dashed. Ah. Uh, within 30 feet. Ah, uh, no, it's nowhere near 30 feet. I don't even have any nothing spells. Jesus Christ, I did not think this through. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Actually, you were expecting to find a skeletal freaking dead beholder here. Yes. Um, I would like to make a dispel magic attack at him. Okay, you want to dispel magic? Alright, you cast <sighs> dispel magic... Not expecting it to have any effect, but your magic surges through the corridor ahead of you, and you dispel the negative energy cone that emanates from the Death Tyrant's central eye. Death Tyrant's central eye emits an invisible, magical 150-foot cone of negative energy. Any creature in that area can't regain hit points, and any humanoid that falls to zero HP within the cone instantly dies. Oh. You've dispelled it. I will take. Wow, please make a note of that, Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Um, Can yeah, I just I'm... start playing Doom music in the background? <laughs> that just sounds like some Doom level shit right there. Um, and uh, for bonus action, I'm going to activate my shield. Yep. Uh, and then, do I make another save at the end of my turn? You do. Yes. Okay. So wisdom save. Come on. Okay, these dice are really playing funny buggers with me because I don't know what the fuck's happening because that was another nat 20. Yeah, you are no longer frightened. Fuck! Why are you having the same issues last week with these dice? No, it's different dice. Like, really? What the hell are you doing, man? I mean, I'm not <laughs> complaining, but I'm really scared that we're burning up any natural yeah, 20s that we have right now. And I need to put a wild mage because my dice are rolling perfectly to that playstyle. At the end oh, of your God. turn... The Death Tyrant fires a ray directly at you. Please make a DC 17 deck save. Oh, right. Lovely. Ask why you aim for Lucian before, and it's like, right, no, he's, he's, he's undead. Right. Oh, I have to hit this thing. Uh, yep, so... Oh, that was a fail. That's a fail. The Disintegration Ray hits you square in your chest, and you take 30 points of force damage. Yeah, okay. Now I'm now I'm getting worried. Why did I activate my shield against this damn thing? <laughs> yeah, it's a beholder. You literally had nothing else to do with your turn, basically. That's, that's true. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> it is Sir Lucian's turn. He raises his sword and shouts, Charge! Dashing towards the Death Tyrant. And because of his charger feet, gets a bonus attack against it. And he nat 20s. Oh my god, stop it! <laughs> oh no! Strike, I have to look what at his stats different now. 
put down the coffee. Where did you even get that? He slashes at it and deals 28 points of damage. It is now Zinhorn. It is now the Death Tyrant's turn again. It gnashes its teeth and makes a bite attack against Dragonbait. Would this be classified as his next attack? That is a 20... Yeah, and he's going to do it with disadvantage. Oh, yeah, disadvantage. Wow. But... He has disadvantage. He rolled a 24 and an 18, so he hits Dragonbait. Mm-hmm. And deals 26 points of piercing damage. Ah. It is now Zinhorn's turn. Okay, so. Um. Things still going strong. Seems so. He's. You see no sign of weakness in the Death Tyrant yet. I don't want to do too much high-level stuff at this early stage. Yeah, exactly. I know, right? You have to try to conserve your resources. And everything I have is area of effect. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that a bitch? <laughs> it is. Uh, welcome to my world. You know what? It would have had an effect if it didn't go against Dragon Bait or Haha. So let's try, <laughs> try another Frostbite. Alright. It's going to make a con save. That is a 9. But he once again fails. So How much takes, damage? Once again, takes 10 points of damage and Lovely. disadvantage on the next attack. Very and well. Move a little bit closer, but stay hugging the wall. Yes, good idea. 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Still hugging the wall. At the end of your turn, it fires a ray at you. Please make a DC 17 deck save. That's a 16 this time, plus 9. <laughs> ah, so as the petrification ray sails towards you, you duck and it hits the stone wall behind you, causing some of the bricks to wither away. That wasn't very nice. It is Bobbit's turn. Uh, I can't reach this thing with my movement, even if I wanted to. It's like you can really, dash. really want. Yeah, but then I get don't get to hit it with anything. Yeah, no, you don't because you don't have charger. Bobbit likes to hit things. Yes, especially now. Bobbit re- has a is has literally hijacked a legendary weapon and wants to use it. Every <laughs> <laughs> day I get to say that. But then still just use the full 30 feet of movement to get as close as I can. Yep. Ding. Yep. And then Eldritch Blast seems to be annoying it, so we'll just keep throwing blasts at it. Yeah, go ahead. Fun. Roll to hit it. Okay, we have 22, a 27, and a 12. The 12 does not hit, the other two do. That makes sense. All right. Excuse me. Uh, it's going to be 24 points of force damage this time. Ooh, lovely, 24. How are we looking, Mr. Undead Blinky? You notice shards of his 
skull have broken away and a huge crack runs down the middle. At the end of your turn, he passes his wisdom save and fires a ray at you. I need you to please make a DC 17 dex save. Okay, that's an 18 plus 3. I'm really scared. Any, any minute now, this is going to friggin' 180, and we're going to be unable to roll anything over 10. The death ray grazes you, and you take oh. 25 points of necrotic damage. Okay. Really glad that that... Hmm, bad. It is... 25. It is Dragon Bait's turn. He raises his Holy Avenger and makes two attacks... And both of them hit. He deals 19 points of slashing damage plus 20 points of radiant damage. Mm. Yeah. And then at the end of his turn, the death tyrant fires a ray at him. He's going to attempt to dodge. He got a 15. And he takes 55 points of necrotic damage as the death ray slams into his plate armor. Oh, glad I dodged that one, because I... Oh, uh, what was my concentration for the 30 damage? Is that a 15 that I need to beat? Yes, yeah. Okay, let's... And now it's Bulb's turn. Uh, what's 16 plus... I get advantage on it. Yeah, I've passed. Okay, uh, so it's my turn again, wasn't it? Sorry? Yep, your turn. Okay, uh, I'm not scared anymore. Time to see if I can fuck this guy up without breaking concentration. <clears throat> uh, hold on, is Fairy Fire concentration? I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. God damn it. No, Earthbind, no. Greater Association. Well, now. Well, now. I'm just going to pull out the um, bow and just fire at it twice. Yep, go ahead, roll to hit it. I'm kind of useless while I'm trying to keep. Yeah, uh, keep this spell up. Okay, that's okay. Oh, uh. Jesus fucking Christ, these dice are really messing with me. The first one was a 14 plus 7, so that's... That's a hit. Whatever. The second one was a nat 20. Yep, Uh, both hits. mm, Yep. Like, this is awesome, but... mm. So that's 1d8 for the first one. The dice gods have decided that Volpies shall live. (laughs) For this particular round of events. So I got... Uh, 11 damage for the first yep. bow. And then uh, 11 again, so that's doubled to 22. Yeah, 22. Uh, yeah, so 11 and... I did 33 damage with a bow. The yeah. Death Tyrant oh. is looking very weak as your arrow shoots right into its central eye stalk and it reels in obvious pain. It is now Zinhorn's turn. Is it not the his turn performing? Ah, uh, it doesn't have any legendary. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. It is his turn. Damn it! 
Why? Because I'm honest. Pew, pew, pew. It fires three rays. The first one at Sir Lucian. Sir Lucian rolls a 15 and is immediately restrained as the petrification ray hits him. And his... His elven skin starts to take on his old earthy tone. If he gets hit oh, with he's a turning knee. back. <laughs> yes. Uh, the second ray flies towards Zinhorn. Pew! Zinhorn, I need you to make a DC 17 deck save, please. That is a 9 plus 9, so 18. Yep. So the disintegration ray just grazes you. You take 20 points of force damage. Oh. And then the third ray flies towards Bobbit. Pew! Bobbit, I need you to make oh, a no. DC 17 wisdom save. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm really glad that you chose wisdom, because that was a 12, but I get plus 6 with my wisdom saves. So. You see the sleep... You see the sleep ray coming, and it hits you, and you just continue running through it. Ha! <laughs> Joke's on you, Bob, it hasn't slept in months! It is now Zinhorn's turn. Am I within 35 feet of it? 5, 10, 50... Yep, you are. Okay, I'm going to... Uh, flame Blade. Yep. And rush then... Rush right up. Rush right up. And swing. Go ahead. That is uh, 18 plus 11, so 29. That is a hit. Mm. Roll your damage. And that is... Oh, that's, that's uh, three of a kind. That's 15 points of fire damage. 15. It had 14 HP. So Zinhorn wow. rushes forwards, ignites his flame blade, and swings at the death tyrant. As the flames touch it, it shudders and falls to the ground, lifeless. <laughs> Sorry, Bobbit, but there is plenty more undead in this maze. So. <laughs> Just Rogue finally catches up, Panty going, Oh, it's already dead! <laughs> <laughs> so once oh. the death tyrant falls, all of the eyes embedded in the walls close and retreat into the stone. And then you notice that the path ahead once again branches off into two options, left and right. Dude. Okay, I'll do the, okay, uh, the insight check again. Yep. Uh, oh. <laughs> Damn. Nah. Did we lose? Uh, uh, that, was a, that was a 10. You try to focus, but in the haze, one on the other dice. in the haze from all of the death tyrants' magic, you can't actually see the spectral path being laid out before you. So you just have to pick blindly. Oh no! Okay. Left or right? Uh, which way, Donald? Try that again. Do what? That was on that twenty again. Wait, no, I think I think we've already failed on the. Oh, did you? Oh, did you spend guessed. inspiration? 
No, oh, you said which way again. So I roll yeah. again. No, we haven't chosen yet, so no. You, you rolled your inside now. I think you just have to Yeah, now you just have random. to choose, yeah. Oh, roll okay, your inside. Sorry, sorry. Um, yeah. That's Feel free to keep that, that 20 in check. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, oh, so picking a way. Okay. Uh, yeah, left or we right. Last time? Well, if you're in a maze, you always go left, so. Yep. You left. chose left. That is the correct choice. Oh, oh my god. I obviously, that nat 20 was actually for my decision. Yes. <laughs> Move further through the ever-shifting maze. I'd like someone to roll a d100, please. Not me. Uh, I believe it's Zinhorn's turn. Yes, it is Zinhorn's turn. That's a 73. 73. Lovely, lovely. Mm. Mm. You saying lovely does not instill confidence. Okay. Probably won't like this one. <laughs> you continue walking for another 10 to 15 minutes and emerge into another long hallway. The floor of this 60-foot hall is a rushing stream of water and the further you get down the hallway, the more it slopes downwards, the deeper the water gets. The hallway eventually comes to a dead end at a 20-foot wide pool of fetid swamp water. An underwater passage lies about 20 feet down below, underwater. Um, hmm. Well, if you want water breathing, I'm going to need 10 minutes. It's up to you. I don't think the water breathing is the problem. I think it's going to be the getting into the passageway without getting taken all the way to the end. Oh. I mean, as long as we don't fly over the wall, of the top of the walls, flying is a thing. Hmm. Hmm. Odd question, is the... You'd have um, to fly over the dead end to bypass the water, though, so you'd have to fly over the wall. Oh. Wait, so, how does this uh, wait, so could you just read out the description again, sorry? So basically, Wait. at the end of the hall, there's just a dead end, just a wall. Yep. yep. And you have to go under the wall by going underwater into the passage that leads to the other side. Oh, but it's not a waterfall. No, it's not a waterfall. It's just a pool of water that gets deeper and deeper as you walk into it. And at the very bottom, you can just make out a tunnel that leads under the wall into the next portion of the maze. I mean, oh, okay, sorry, I... So again. Yes, no waterfall. I misheard and heard, heard, heard <laughs> waterfall for some reason. No, okay, okay, okay. I think you heard water and then obviously heard the, you know, yeah. wall. Possibly, yes. Um, oh, well, then water breathing probably is our best idea, option. yeah. Mm, uh, i and if Bobbit's going to ritual cast that, can I take a short rest? You sure can. Okay, time to roll some hit dice, because fuck. Anyone who wants to spend hit dice can. Yeah, it might be. Uh... Yeah, well, I can't because I'm doing ritual stuff. Yeah, I'm spending three hit dice immediately. So is Sir Lucian to go back up to full health? 5, 10, 18, 21, 24, 27, straight off the bat. So that's 97. And uh, Dragon three. Bait is going to spend 
five of his hit dice to return to full health. Wait, and a short rest gives me... Lovely. So Bobbit raises her hands, touching each of you and granting you water breathing. Then after you've finished gathering your breath, you begin to wade forwards into the peat into the fetid still water. Wait until your bodies are touching the wall that blocks your progress. And then you look at each other and dive under the surface. I need everyone to make a con save, please. As you descend into the putrid water. Do I, again, do I have to... Actually, uh... This is another poison thing? Or? Yeah, you know, you're immune, so it's just, yeah. Okay. It's just so bold this one, and this time the others. Just the other one was... Yes, that 21. one was... 21. Zinhorn. So I will sign out for a sec. Ah, con save as you descend into the putrid water. That's true. Oh, you. Thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness, 15. 15. Okay, so Lucian passes as you descend into the water. Uh, Zinhorn, you inhale the water and slides down your throat and even though you don't need to breathe you still find yourself waterlogged and you become poisoned for one hour by the putrid water Mm. Mm. You, you continue swimming onwards for 10 20 minutes through the tunnel as it snakes and weaves to the left and right and then eventually the tunnel opens up into a large underwater area. The surface, the the floor of the underwater area littered with half-crumbled walls and ruins, perhaps the remnants of an older maze that once existed beneath this one. Above you, at the above you, right above you, you can see light at the surface of the water, indicating that you can climb out here and move on. But as you begin to swim upwards towards the surface, you catch flickers of movement in amongst the reeds and ruins around you, and then suddenly, out of the shadows, bursts. Oh no. It's huge serpentine form gliding out of the shadows, pushing rocks and bricks away. And Aboleth, its huge toothy maw, open wide, ready for attack. Please roll initiative. Guess we're getting a fight in Aboleth after all. Hey, 11 again. Uh, (laughs) Is initiative like a ability check or... 
yeah, it is an ability check. So yes, you get Sorry. disadvantage on it. Sorry. No, that's fine. So I check. I, just, I looked up. Like, well, <laughs> what'd you get? So one of my dice was a sixteen. The other yeah. dice was a seventeen. Oh, so you're still Lucky first. Lucky goes first again. <laughs> 24. 24. Very well. Zinhorn, you are going first, and this is an underwater fight, so any attack rolls are made with disadvantage, and ranged weapons can only go, can only be fired up to their short range. Okay, let me look up what the short range of a longbow is. So we just see the Aboleth? Yep, you see the Aboleth and you also see two slimy humanoids begin to crawl out of the undergrowth, holding spears made of bone. Uh, I'm going to start off by moving over, just sort of over this way. Yep. In the corner. Yep. And going to fire a frostbite at uh, spawn two. Yep. So spawn, Aboleth spawn two is going to make his check. Aboleth spawn two. And that is a nat one. Oh, yay. So disadvantage on next attack roll and... That's cast. Uh, that is 15 points of cold damage. 15 points of cold damage. Lovely. And disadvantage on and, his next attack. And going to activate my shield. Yep. Okay, it is Sir Lucian's turn next. He's going to swim 5, 10, 15... 25, 30 feet towards the huge Aboleth and then draw his sword and he gets four attacks because he moved at least 10 feet. <laughs> and that is going to be three hits, one miss. Good lord. He deals 34 points of damage to the Aboleth. And it lashes around, buffeting him with water. It is now the Aboleth's turn. And it decides to make three tentacle attacks at Sir Lucian. Got this, little buddy. So the first two miss, but the third nat 20s. Oh, you probably got this, little buddy. So Lucian takes 32 points of damage. Yeah. And he must make a con save. Which he fails, and he contracts Aboleth disease. Oh, for God. What happened to his con? I thought he had half decent con. He does have half decent con, but he keeps failing. God, stop failing. The tentacle wraps around his arm, and as he pulls it away, you notice a large red welt on his skin. It is now your turn, Bobbit. Wait, is it? I I rolled like a 10. Oh, wait, no. That's right. Uh, Especially towards the end. Yeah, no, it's Bob's turn then. 
Damn it, I was hoping I had a little bit more time to find a level 15 or 14 beast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, beast, level 13, Spinosaurus. No, I don't think that's going to do well underwater. <laughs> it doesn't, no. have, a, it doesn't <sighs> have a swift speed. It, you can use it, but... Oh, it does, actually. A Spinosaurus yeah. is gargantuan and has a swim speed of 40. Oh, oh well. God. That's terrifying. Ah. Uh, would you like to transform into a Spinosaurus? Uh, oh my god. Um. <laughs> oh, is the guidance better or not? Fuck. Um. Uh, that's right, you have to. Hold on a second. I just need to look up another spell. I'm really sorry. Alright, Bob it. We'll just skip. We'll come back to your turn. It is the Aboleth spawn. So at the end of Bulb's turn, the Aboleth is going to use a legendary action to make a tail attack against Sir Lucian. Oh dear. It hits him and deals 13 points of bludgeoning damage, slamming its thick tail into his body. And then the two Aboleth spawns swim forwards. Aboleth spawn 2 swims towards Zinhorn and attacks with its spear. Zinhorn, that is a 14 to hit. That misses. It then lashes out with two tentacles that erupt from the back of its body. The first is a 12 and the second is a 15, so neither hit. I have my plan now, okay. Aboleth spawn one swims forwards towards Bobbit, raising its spear. That is an 18 on its spear attack. That is no goddamn, just just casually just float away from that. You see its slimy flesh rip apart and then two tentacles lash out from its shoulders. That is a 16 and a nat 1, so neither hit you. You nope. dodge out of the way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no touchy, no touchy, no touchy. Bulb, what did you wish to do? Okay, first off, uh, how tall is it from the bottom of the floor to the roof? About 50 feet. 50 feet? Yeah. Well, fuck. However... Up to the surface. I am going to get us... Oh, to the surface is about 50 feet. Yeah. Surface of the water is about 50 feet, and then you presume above that would just be the normal maze. Oh, no, I meant like the... Oh, seal. yeah, so oh. including the space above the water, 70 feet. Yeah, okay, uh, that's not going to work. That's... that's... Mm-hmm. Shit. Wait, where were you going? Uh, in that case, I'm just going to swim to within 30 feet of the Adolf. Yep, still in I your base form. Use... Yes, in my base form. Five, I was going to use bones of the earth to um, try and crush them against the roof. 30, but... yep, so you just reach the Aboleth within melee range of it. Uh, and then I'm going to cast Blight at it. Ooh, nice. Uh, now I need to get the spell Blight up. I've because... got it here. <laughs> Blight. Yep, okay, cool. Necromantic energy washes out from your hands over the Naboleth. The Aboleth is going to make a con save. It got uh, a 10, it, uh, so it takes yep, 8d8 yep. necrotic damage. 
8d8. I'm going to have to use Discord for that. <laughs> 8d8. Uh, oh, oh, fuck that. What did you do? What? Did you get oh, like oh, ones, two, twos. I mean, the, the, the first one was damage. but everything after that just tanked. 21 yeah, two, damage, uh, still better than I nothing. Have, uh, yeah, no, I have great weapon fighting. That's not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So twenty-one damage. Twenty-one damage. Better than oh nothing. Better than nothing. It is now yeah. Bobbit's turn. Okay. Well. Now Abelifs are not considered undead, so I'm not going to be using these things. They are aberrations, though, so they still work for your staff. Do they? Yep, because it, the Mace of Disruption works on undead and aberrations. Really? I, I read that it was oh, just wait. an un, a fiend or undead. Ah, fiend, yeah, except the Oathbringer replaces fiend with aberration. It's aberration oh. or undead. Oh. oh, in that case, well then, guess what? I uh, use bonus action to bring out the Grim Scyther on the side of this legendary staff. And then I will happily take a swing at this poor thing. Yeah, go ahead, roll to hit it. This, uh, this is fun. So I technically, my old stuff that I was using gave me just a plus three to hit. This one gives me a plus two, but it's both to attack, like attack rolls and damage. So I drop a one for uh, two hit, but then I get two extra points of damage to it. So that is a 22 to hit. That's a hit, roll the damage. Wonderful. So, first things first, we want D10. That is five plus. Five plus nine says so 14 necrotic damage, but since it's a uh, aberration, you can see that it's also going to take an extra 2d6 radiant damage as well. Ooh, so, yeah, so how much damage altogether? We are going to have uh, six points of uh, radiant damage on top of the 14 necrotic. Mm. 14 necrotic, okay. Yeah, pretty yeah. good. I, I, I like this. We're going to get a nice mix of like just good and evil. And ah, the Aboleth spawn shrieks as you blast mm. it back with your staff. Unfortunately, uh, I have no idea how much health it has so I can't really talk about its ability yet so we'll get to that later and then at the end of your turn the Aboleth makes a tail attack against Bulb who is right next to I it didn't activate my damn shield damn. that is 21 to hit that wouldn't have mattered anyway <laughs> so Bulb yeah. you are hit for 15 points of bludgeoning damage okay it is Dragon Bait's turn and he's going to raise his holy avenger and attack the Aboleth spawn in front of him with disadvantage. So that he so he whiffs on the first hit and whiffs on the second. His huge sword clearly very unwieldy in the water. At the start of the next round, the Aboleth activates its lair action. Oh. Water in the Aboleth's lair magically becomes a conduit for the creature's rage. The Aboleth can target any number of creatures it can see in such water within 90 feet of it. 
So oh, all of you need to make a wisdom save, please. Well, that's slightly disgusting. Wisdom. Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> 14. 14. <sighs> disgusting. So Lucian. Disgusting. Okay. Disgusting. So the Abilet's psychic rage surges through the water, and Bulb and Sir Lucian each take ten points of psychic damage. Oh, I've got to make two Constitution saves after I take ten points. Okay, so one was fifteen. Okay, so I need to beat ten points. Saves classified as disadvantage for poisoned or. Uh Saves are also disadvantage, yes. There's rolls and ability checks, I just wanted to... Oh, no, no, then no, it, it save is not. A save is fine. Uh, in that case, it's a 22. Yes, so you're fine, Zinhorn, and it is now your turn. I'm doing really well with my constitution saves for my concentration. You are. Yeah, constitution, really? you're doing great. Wisdom saves is... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're to be good at Seems still right in front of you to give it, give it a close range frostbite. Yep. It rolls a nine on its con save. Yeah, it's advantage again on this next attack roll, and that is a. Ooh, that's 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 almost perfect. That's uh, that, that's six and six is twelve and five is seventeen. Ooh, Points lovely. You hear it shriek. Ah. As the frostbite hits it. It is Sir Lucian's turn. He just raises his sword and swings at the Aboleth. That is a nat 20 plus 2 hits. So he deals 41 points of damage to the Aboleth. And it opens its mouth, shrieking in obvious rage. It's now the Aboleth's turn, and it is going to attempt to enslave Sir Lucian. Fixing its gaze upon him and whispering its psychic assaults. He's going to make a wisdom save. He rolls a six. Sir Lucian is now charmed by the Aboleth. Can I just... Can I just... um drop whatever concentration I had on the reincarnation right now. Like, just yeah. drop it. <laughs> Too late, unfortunately. Does can a spell work against this thing? Got, um, it, it being an elf, he should be get advantage against... Yeah, but there's right, no... Yeah, there's no. Oh, yeah, he does. He gets another roll, that's yeah. right. Because he's an elf. Please. And he passes! Yay! His new elvish really heritage stopping him from mm. being... Controlled by the Avalanche. Goes to Sir succumbs to it and stops and goes, Wait a minute, I'm an elf! It is now Bulb's turn. Oh yeah, Bulb hadn't thought this far ahead. Um. (laughs) (laughs) You're literally like, Yeah, I'm right in front of this thing! Now what? I'm going to wild shape into my thorn shape. Yep. Oh, Missy, that's a stink. Thorns emerge and starts lazily drifting in the undercurrents of the water. Yeah, so I've got 45 temporary hit points now. 
Now I'm just going to try and bonk this bugger with my staff of woodlands. Yep, and remember you get disadvantage because you are underwater. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Actually, actually, can I swim around the Abelisome directly behind it and Sir Luc- to yeah. Sir Lucian? Yeah. I would like to do that. It. Yes, so that allows it you to attack normally. And because it is my staff, I actually get to attack with the spell attack bonus. Um, okay. Which is a soft 20. That is a hit. Okay, so with my thorn shape, I now get venomous spines. Is it immune to poison damage? It is not. It is. Oh, okay, so that is 1d8. And I'm two-handing this, which is another d8. Okay. So that is... And I'm using strength, so that's uh, 10 bludgeoning damage and 2 poison damage. 10 bludgeoning damage, 2 poison damage, yep, better than nothing. Yep. And, then, and then I'm going to do it again. Go ahead. Uh, that was a 15 plus 13, so... That's a hit. Uh, and was this once per turn, or was it... Uh, when you make a melee weapon attack under the effect of your fawn shape, you deal an additional 1d8 poison damage. Okay, so no, that's just every attack. Good. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was worse, but any damage is better than no damage. So that was four bludgeoning, one poison. Okay. Smack it with your staff, and it retaliates by swinging its thick tail in your direction. That is a 19. That hits... You take 13 points of bludgeoning damage. 13, okay. Uh, He is going to take... 9 points of... Oh, lovely. uh, Just piercing Lovely. Because of the thorns that are covering my body. And as the thorns lash out, one of them sticks right in the Aboleth's mouth and... Groans and falls limp on the end of your thorn. Oh, wow. You killed yourself, me. <laughs> Congratulations, you played yourself. Bobbit, it is your turn. Hooray! Well, I mean, I've already got the stick, I've already got the suck, and just gonna whack him again. Disadvantage or not? It doesn't really matter when you roll an 18 and a 19, so I'm gonna guess those hit by a country Yep, model. those both hit. Alright, D10 for Necrotic. And that's a 10, so that's 19 points of Necrotic Energy, and then you can take 5 points of Radiant Damage on top of that. Lovely! Is this thing... How, how damaged is this thing? Uh, I'll get to that in a moment. I forgot they're supposed to oh. take their turn after Bulbs. Who's going to have them take their turn before that happens? Yeah. So Abolet Spawn 1 raises his spear, he thrusts it at Bobbit with a 12, not hitting, and then lashes nope. with his tentacles, and only hits with one of them with a 23. Fair enough. <laughs> so Bobbit take 7 points of psychic damage, and you are um. grappled by the tentacle, but then your turn oh. plays out, and you deal enough damage to the Aboleth spawn to kill him. Oh. Caving oh, so in true. his oh, head with your staff and you are Wait, no so longer restrained. Right, so I did 24. So he only had tw- uh, less than 25 HP that turn, did he? Yes, yep. Oh, then my ability should have activated last turn. 
what does it do? It's, well, with um, the, the, the Mace of Disruption, if the target has, well, like, since it's working on aberrations, if they get to 25 hit points or fewer after taking yeah. damage... They instantly die, don't they? Save on a, yeah, it, it has yeah. to succeed on a 50, DC 15 That's wisdom right, yeah. save. I will, roll that, I will roll that save right now. It is a 17, so he wouldn't have been okay, destroyed that's, anyway. But that's okay, but yeah. On a successful left, save, it would have been... Oh, on a successful save, it would have become frightened of me until the end yeah. of my next turn as well. But yes. that's okay. We're, it's, it's a new ability. Yeah. Really just so Abolet spawn 2 thrusts his spear at Zinhorn with disadvantage lucky because he got a 23 and a 16 and then lashes out with both of his tentacles not hitting with either and it is now dragon bait's turn he swims over to abolette's spawn number two raises his holy avenger whiffs on the first but nat 20s with the second no makes up we're recovering and deals 24 points of damage to the Abolet spawn, slicing off its slimy head. Now that the waters are relatively safe once again, you fix your sights upon the light above and swim up to the surface, emerging from the putrid water and stepping out into yet another corridor of the maze. From here, the path splits off into two more options, left and straight. Uh, I still miraculously have my guidance up. <laughs> yes, so... go ahead, make your insight oh, check. God. Would you I like to use the nat 20 off. you got before? If you will let me. I will <laughs> let you. So okay, cool. Horribly <laughs> you focus your willpower upon your spell and notice subtly glowing ahead the path leading straight. Straight it is then. Okay. Straight is... Let me see. And straight is the correct choice. So that is three so far. Who'd like to roll... The next D100. Uh, solution. Yeah, so I'll do it then. So let me see. I'll roll in the chat. D100. That is a 100. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. If this kills us, that's perfect for solution. Yeah, because he would. Damage Well, this is a special. This is a special encounter on the table that you can only get. By rolling 100, so... Oh, good, so this is either absolutely phenomenal or fucking <laughs> Chevrolet's getting... I was going to say, yeah, it's either going to be great or Chevrolet's gotten fed up of waiting for us. <laughs> so okay. you continue moving straight ahead, and as you step out into yet another wide corridor, you see only just visible... In the shadows at the very edge of your vision, two slender humanoids, and they appear to be walking in your direction from the opposite oh end of the corridor. Oh, God. Uh, wait. Uh, 
can you even roll anything to try and figure out what these things are? If you want to try to get a better look at them, you can roll the perception. Yeah, I'm going to try and roll a perception. Mm. 17 plus 6, so 23. So, Bulb, you take a step forwards, raise your hands, place them flat above your eyes and squint. And you see what appears to be a human or half-alven woman wearing the long flowing robes of an archmage and travelling alongside her a silver-skinned elf. Um, does that mean anything from what you guys were talking about before I joined? No, these descriptions do not match. No, no, they don't. Um, can I... You I was can make say, a, can I do a you, you can make a history check. Yeah, I may as well try. Uh, uh, that is a 15 plus 7, so that's 22. I'm not sure how you know this knowledge, Bob. Perhaps you've just consumed every text within the Emerald Enclave library in your most recent downtime. But as the as these two people walk towards you, you notice that the archmage appears to be wearing robes that bear slight similarities to those worn by the people of Mazdika, a continent far to the west beyond even Cholt. Okay. Do you Do they... and you also know that Mazdika, because you've got the history check, you also know that Mazdika is the original home of the Tabaxi. So does he say this to any of us? Uh, yeah, there seems to be an archmage wearing Mazdika. the robes of Mazdika. Uh, hold on, I'm going to try and call that in Tabaxi. But before Bob does that, yeah. um, with my perception, do they look at all like undead? They um, do not. They look... Well, shadows. the elf has oddly silver skin, but it's not silver as in putrid undead. Mm. It's silver as in it's shining. Okay, so yes to call out? Yeah, go ahead. Um, hello there. Are you, are you foes of Shavalak? The two figures stop, halting immediately. You see them look at each other, and then a few seconds later, the one on the left raises her hand and calls out, Don't mind us, just passing through, in Tabaxi. Passing through. You just see, like, yeah, you just see Bob's, like, head tilts to the side. It's like, um... Okay, would you be able to help give us some directions then? The two figures... Hi, by the way. The two figures shrug and they continue walking forwards and soon they emerge from the shadows and you're all able to get a good look at them, seeing what Bulb saw earlier. You walk to meet them halfway down the corridor and then you stand face to face with them, and the half-elven archmage raises her hand in greeting, and in tabaxi, 
she says, We mean you no harm. I am Kerry Trina. I'm a scholar on a research mission. This is my assistant, Astrine. This is a weird place for a... for a... I don't know, a research place? How did you get here? What are you researching? They look at each other, and then the silver-skinned elf says, Carrie, it's not your place to toy with the fates. Keratrina looks back at you and she says, I'm sorry, I can't tell you about that, but if you're here to fight Shatherlack, I can give you some information. And Bottle turned to the uh, it's going, Bobbit doesn't think these guys are from here at all, but they do say they have information for us. Oh, any help is good help at this point. Um, well, Bobbit's not one to question people meddling with fates, but any information would be fun. Wait, can I roll anything to know if these people are, if there's anything I could roll for that? Well, you could make your own history check. Mm-hmm. I can definitely give him a swing. Okay, and there's another nat 20. Please, oh, nat God. Very Why well. Why you give me these in combat? <laughs> With the nat 20, I'll give you some extra information. Looking mm-hmm. both of these people up and down, you determine they are indeed wearing Mazdakan robes, as Bold described, but they are in a style that would not be worn commonly in Mazdaka today. The style is of a kind that you would only see in ancient Mazdakan art. They're at least 2,000 years out of fashion. They've been traveling a while. I was going to say, yeah. See how Lysander chimes in going, mm, not to pry, but it's interesting to see uh, you know, such antique clothing in such pristine condition. Either you're very good with keeping, or very, very bad at keeping up with fashion sense, or you're not from here at all, are you? Caratrina shrugs and she says, Of course, goes without saying. I'm not from here. You're not from here. Mm-hmm. She smiles and says, This is the realm of Shepherdlack, is it not? You know what I mean. Well, let me just say you're a little uh, behind the time. She just smiles knowingly and says, I know. She says, Know mm-hmm. this. Shepherdlack draws his power from the primordial essence of a dead deity. So long as he is in proximity to this dead deity, he will be able to harness its power. If somehow you could draw him away, you would find him significantly easier to destroy. As she finishes saying this, her assistant, Astrain, looks at you all, and then she smiles and says, We can say no more. You've been chosen to prove your people worthy. Who are we to interfere with that? And with that, the two figures look at each other, 
as Strain looks back at Keratrina, and then suddenly the air is displaced, and where the silver-skinned elf stood is an adult silver dragon, its body uh, taking oh. up the entire girth of the corridor. Oh. Keratrina hoists herself onto the back of the dragon's neck. The dragon looks at you one last time and winks, and then it spreads its wings and takes flight, its body piercing through the veil of black shadowy mist above. As it leaves, Bob just calls out going, Bye, thanks for your help. Perhaps Bob will see you again sometime. <laughs> and just looks at the group and going, So, who We'll pass on the information, but obviously just says it and goes, do you want to know how they got here, or just Bubba just keep that to herself, because it's weird. Hmm? Oh, by the way, Chevrolet is in, I was going to say, by the way, Chevrolet's drawing power from a dead god. Hmm? We should, that's probably an issue, isn't it? Like, a big issue. Um, is, can I do a check to see if, you can destroy a dead god, or if, um, if like so, how? A religion a check can be them. made, yes. I can do, I can do that. Mm -hmm. I, 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 right, well, I'm going to make one as well, and I'm going to ask, is there a way to destroy the husk of a dead god? Yep. Oh! Well, clearly I tired myself out on the, uh, on the other roll, because that was a nat one. Yeah. I, got the, I got an 11. I was going to so, say, yeah, Alessander thinks on the question, you almost hear a voice going, you probably should know this information. So, Bold, <laughs> you know that gods, despite being deities, are apparently mortal. They live and they die just like anyone else. And when they die, their corpses are set to drift in the astral plane. The astral plane serves as their tomb. Their corpses drift here eternally until either someone else mantles the god, taking their power, or the god is reborn. You are unaware of any way to destroy a dead god other than either mantling it, taking its power, or simply transporting it to a different location. Um, how do you mantle? Like, um, with that role, do I know you technically how know. to mantle? You know that no? it's possible and that mortals have been known to ascend to godhood by mantling a dead god, but you do not know how this process works. I gotta look up that, that um, character's name later because that is that's a fascinating person. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna say out loud to Bobbit mm -hmm. and Zinhorn because Zinhorn's here as well. And the uh, oh, maybe maybe um, Dragonbait might know this. Hmm. Um, so another way to defeat Shadowlight maybe to get rid of the husk of the dead god. And one way to do that is to take the mantle of the god. And look, I know that, you know, becoming godhood can't be easy because otherwise everyone would be doing it. Mm. But how does one take the mantle of a god, especially one that's dead? 
dragon bait looks back at you and he says, Such things have happened, but this knowledge, if it is written down anywhere, is forbidden. Bob looks at Bobbit. <laughs> Bobbit just sort of shrugs and going, Look, Bobbit just found out that time travel potentially exists. With one, one mystery at a time. And then just, yeah, just stares back ahead without looking, without acknowledging anyone else in that statement. Well, fuck you for not taking the option for another roll. Cole, you do know (laughs) with your... cry if you want. You do know with your religion roll, Bulb, that according to most scriptures you're familiar with, the mantling of a god has happened maybe only two or three times in all history of the world. Yeah, that's for that. That look, that's yeah. Fair. Like that makes sense. Yeah, as you said, if it could be, if it was easy to do, everyone would have done it. I mean, even even if there was information, that thing would be like buried under like fifty-seven million locks and keys, and like the tightest vault in a different dimension, just because you know we really shouldn't have mortals just knowing that sort of deal. Yeah, though sending it away could. I mean. Either send the god itself or send Chevrolet away from that realm. Interesting. There is Mm. good news. And that news is that this encounter ends in only one obvious path forward. Straight ahead. Counting as an automatic fourth correct choice. I love that we're all freaking out so Lucian potentially murdering us all. Instead, he gave us the absolute best encounter we could have gotten for so many different reasons. And so, pondering the implications of this strange sage's words, you continue on deeper into the maze. Who would like to roll the next D100? I think that's my turn, isn't it? Yes. Oh, uh, boy. Uh, 89. 89. Lovely. That's another special encounter. 86 oh to God. 90. Can only be done once. That is the Night Spawn. Oh, this is either going to be really good Not or it's going to be really fucking well, Bob bad. was asking I'm about so, it before. <laughs> I am really happy that we're getting care of these guys, but at the same time, oh God, oh God, oh God, so, oh God. The passage you are on opens into an 80-foot square area. Four rows of cages are lined up in a set of ten for each row. A 40-foot square building is located behind the field of cages. Hardy prisoners are brought here to be converted into Shadowkin. Ah, bad it is. I'd like each of you to make a perception check, please. Oh, boy, I'm making a perception check. With all of... Oh, 11. That's a, that's a 22. Uh, that's a 21. Uh, 11. That is a group pass. And so as you gaze upon this 80-foot square area, you quickly notice the passage that leads onwards further into the maze. And if you wanted, you could bypass this area entirely and move on. 
but there you see in amongst the field of cages that three of them contain people who have not yet succumbed to the will of oh. Shavalak. Oh my god, did we find them? Freeing them will not be easy. No. As a group of armoured shadowkin patrol through the rows of the cages, ensuring that no escape attempts are made. I'll be right back. Crap. Great. We have a moral decision and one of the wise men dicks and freaking ducks out. <laughs> uh, that must be the wise man with the... Um, uh... <laughs> yeah, that guy was always kind of a stiff on the party. Mm. <laughs> so, what would you like to do? I mean... I mean, it's really a simple conversation of do we spend the time this, I mean, on one hand, spend time to free these people, potentially take some injuries, although if we clear them out, we can probably heal up a little bit afterwards. We are still roughly within schedule, or we abandon these people, leave them to their fate worse than death, and, and it really comes down to time constraints. I mean... I'm okay with potentially helping captives. Mm-hmm. Question now is... You could potentially... You could potentially sneak past the patrolling Shadowkin and release one or more of the captives before being discovered. True. True. Uh, who here is good with stealth? Uh, I'm alright with stealth. Dragon Bait like, and Sorabusian are both pretty bad. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, I'm not where it is to be damn stealth in that. Wow, okay. Yep. Like, uh, my, my, I have a plus eight to stealth. And I have a plus three, but I do have advantage with the um, boots. Yes. Kind boots. But, hmm. Because, yeah, we, we, we know for, well, well, without knowing, meeting them, we do know these people are going to be the uh, compatriots of the uh, the rest of that party we met. Yes. That seems like the uh, most obvious option. But, yeah, there are lots of people here. Hi, we're just deliberating on how we want to go about doing this, because we can either basically just leave this area without doing anything, leaving these three souls to their fates, or we take, we try and sneak in to try and release a couple of them before the uh, guards notice us. Um, quick question. Yep. Yes. Would we know if we defeat Shavalak, the turning process would stop? Yes. It, that The implication stated by the other adventurers is that if Shadowlack is defeated, any Shadowkin that have not yet been consumed by the Conduit will be released from his will and presumably returned to their original forms. Mm. Yeah, but they, they don't know that any more than we do. No, this like, is just... They're working on, they're working on speculation. Yes. They have no idea. But, 
the conduit you said uh, they're going to freeze the conduit aren't they they isn't are yes isn't well that's what they plan to do yep but if they freeze it then then that's we can more uh, confidently guess that it will stop the turning process Yes. Well, the conduit simply consumes. Yeah, the conduit simply consumes their life force to power Shavalak. Here is the location where it appears people are actually transformed into Shadowkin. Perhaps they are taken into the large building at the edge of the courtyard and taken inside there and transformed. And then released back into the city. So it's entirely up to you. Mm. You know what? Now might be a good time to drop find the way. Because mm. we've only got one to go. Yes. Mm. Was there only one path out of here? There is only one path out of here too. So as a special okay. encounter... Excellent. Okay. So. I can cause a distraction, and you guys could go up and... Attempt to free the captives? Yeah, attempt to free the captives. Uh, Zinhorn, have you stopped conjure animals? What? I did not have conjure animals, no. Damn. Damn. Do you have a summoning spell that you would be willing to use? The only summon I have is the elemental. Okay. Because I was thinking... I can cast uh, Conjure Animals at... uh, What level is the third upgrade of it? Um, Conjure Animals is the third level spell... Like maybe like seventh or something. I think seventh is yeah the three times. Uh, where is it? Uh, three times as many with a seventh level slot, and I do not have a ninth level, so I could summon eight, sixteen, twenty-four quarter beasts. Um, to the north. East, uh, can I get within sixty feet of the northeast corner? You'd have to sneak, but you can. Yeah, yep. But I could be able to. Okay. So then I could summon twenty-four animals to attack from over there, mm. and that way you guys could run up to the captives. Give the veterans surrounding captive three ran towards it because they would be vastly outnumbered they would probably think it's probably best to all go and then I can keep I can keep an eye on you guys when you've got all three done uh, we can beat it Uh, for it yeah okay worth a shot if nothing else even if fails and it yeah because I'm we can still get the uh, majority of them out yeah because I'm willing to do that Okay. He's hoping so, to just uh, before we before we enact the plan. Yep. From yep. where we are, 
Can I see if there's any, like, the, the cages they're kept in? Are they just, like, regular ass They seem to be just regular iron cages. Okay, so I do have thieves' tools lined up for that, then. If they're just regular. Alright, Bulb, please make a stealth check. Okay, so... May I use a wild shape to turn into something that is very stealthy? Yes, you may. Um, I now need to figure <laughs> out what is the most stealthy because I have... Uh, uh, would I know what is the most stealthy out of things that I can turn into? It would have to be a, a small spider. Yeah, it'd be it? like a spider or something. Uh, where is just normal spider? Spider, spider, spider. Spider, there we go. Uh, let's see what your stealth is. I, believe, I think from memory it's a plus seven. No, Should it's be, because it's only a little spider. That said, even a spider would be out of place in a place as unnatural as this. So if you are yeah. spotted, you'll probably alert them. You know what? No, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do, can I use Hidden Step? I can turn magically invisible until the start of my next turn or until I make an attack damage roll for someone to save throw. So, theoretically, one turn is six seconds. Yep. Would I be able to turn invisible, run, and dash to a point where I can summon the creatures up... Not that one. Up here... Uh, without being seen. Um, yes. You'd still have to make a stealth check, though. Yeah, that makes sense. You want to just borrow my boots and the, the boots you lent me? Do they need attunement? No. Because it could be bad. Yes. Please. If they don't require attunement, I would like to borrow them for you and I'll give them to you before we enter the uh, when we come out of the next corridor. Hmm. Uh, unless you have something you can wall check and it's not out of place. I guess I'd still need to make a stealth check of my own to get over to the cages. Yes. But if they're distracted, you'll have an easier time. Okay, obviously. So it's still be, yeah, so it'd either be like advantage or I'd have an easier... Yes, yeah. Access rate. I would wait, if I had the have, wait. Doesn't doesn't uh, does your stuff give you um pass that trace? Oh, fucking does too. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Jesus, my friggin' help! Do that. <laughs> I was gonna say I could have sworn. I know. Uh, I know. Lucian doesn't do it anymore. It's like I could have sworn your ass uh, still had that spell. Yeah, no. Lucian's Lucian can no longer do that. Um. Okay, so if I turn invisible, would that technically give me advantage on stealth? Yes. Which would cancel out the disadvantage from my armor? Yes. Okay, I'm going to bang my stuff on the ground to cast Pass About Trace. That's going to be so useful. Thank you for that. Why, <laughs> <laughs> Bubba's here. Yay. And then I'm going to hidden step to turn invisible. Sprint. Or dash to where I'm within 60 feet of this point here, but out to the side, so, like, I'm going around, yep. yeah, yeah. preferably. 
And then I'm going to cast um, Conjure Animals at 7th level, so I'm writing that slot off now. And I'm just going to summon a ton of 1-8th, 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 1-8th. I just realised I need to figure out what... 1-8th is uh, 1.125, isn't it? It is, yes. You can do Mountain Goats. (laughs) You know what? Weasels. Uh, oh, 0.25, not 1.5. Uh, Amels. Wait, do Panthers get pack tactics? No, they don't. Uh, no, that would be wolves. I'm going to summon 24 Panthers who are all going to run. Run immediately. And try to knock everybody over. Yep. All right. Make a stealth check, please. I'm going to uh, have so the enemies it's... make a perception check. Uh, okay, so it's plus... 10 plus my normal. Oh, that was an amazing roll. Thank you so much. So, 18 plus 1. So that's 19 plus 10. 29. Lovely. So, the black guard got a 21 on his perception. (laughs) So you were able to sneak into the courtyard past the cages and wave your staff in the air and suddenly a parade of panthers comes charging <laughs> out of the cage out through between the cages towards all of the guards pouncing on them and then running through and the guards turn they raise their weapons begin to shout and then the black guard calls after them after them and the guards immediately begin sprinting off in the opposite direction after the stampeding panthers, leaving only the black guard and one of his majors behind. I think that worked magnificent, magnificently. Magnificently. Yeah, yeah magnificently. I don't know why I fucking said that. <laughs> So, Bobbit, you can now make make a stealth check with advantage, Bobbit. And the black guard will be making his perception checks with disadvantage. Oh, oh, you poor, poor soul. Okay, this is my... We are so very glad that that we gave advantage on that. So that is going to be... I was going to say, I got a a 27 on mine. I'm really glad we had the advantage because I rolled a 14 and then a 1. And so he got 32. Yeah, the black guard got 14. So <laughs> Bobbit and Zinhorn are able to easily sneak forwards out towards the ca- the cages. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say it's just Bobbit and Zinhorn doing the uh, scene from like the Blues Brothers, just, you know, just sneaking along in time to the music. <laughs> <laughs> and as the occupants of the cages see you emerge from the shadows their eyes go wide and they press their bodies against the bars silently urging you to come and free them instantly recognizing you as friends within the cages are as you expected a half orc in polished plate armor bearing the holy symbol of tempest a handsome-looking half-elf man, uh, handsome-looking half-elf man wearing chainmail, the fighter, 
and a beautiful woman wearing figure-hugging silk clothing, a harp slung over her shoulder. Hmm. The bard. Oh, she's going to be... I was going to say, you know these guys have been having a bad time and the UNT presents themselves and they're like, oh, thank God we're saved. <laughs> Even a UNT is something <laughs> useful in this play. It's something that's not a shadow <laughs> fell creature. Say, so, hey, Bobbit is far more than just useful. But okay, just, we'll just, Jesper, just, just quiet and we'll go around to the, uh, the lock. Hmm? Yep. So you say nothing to them? Oh, well, first of all, who's in the cage that I'm in front of? So you are directly in front of the cage of the half-orc paladin. Oh, good. Zinhorn has approached the cage with the fighter. That's me, and just look and go, Hi, if, well, we didn't even know if we'd find you. Your friend said that you might be dead, but that's okay. We're going to help. The half-orc um, looks you back at stuff? you, and he hmm. says, Free us, and you have our blades. Do, you, do they have this stuff on them? Yes. They've just been oh. locked in the cages. Wow, these guys suck at security. Wow, okay. Let's go and give this old lucky look-see. Well, it's not so much that they suck at security, it's just once they've got you in the cage, no, the despair enough. of the Shade Walk is uh, pretty much yep. enough to yep. keep you there. So. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, you'd be for the dread. Alright, so let's, uh... go ahead, make a Thieves' Tools check, please, Bobbit. Okay, come on, whilst I've done one of these. Uh, plus Dex, plus Proficiency, this is gonna actually be really good. Um, yeah, that's a soft 20. Hear the lock click, and you slowly open the cage door. The half-orc steps out, he holds out a thick muscled hand for you to shake and he whispers I thank you for saving me I'm Jared hi Jared the others are Kristen and McCain okay fun well Bobbit is Bobbit she shares a body with Alessandra not gonna get into that story now kind of on the uh, on the clock here okay um does anyone have any way to open cages, or am I going to have to go over to where he is? Uh, I've got a, I don't really have much in the way of... Okay. So I, I have, to the next. I will just tell the fighter going, take your stuff and we'll gesture over to where Zinhorn and... Um, Zinhorn's going to move up. Zinhorn, um, Lucian and Dragonbait just go, just keep quiet. Zinhorn's going to move over to this point over yep. here. the other cage. And wants to um, make Druidcraft a bunch of sensory noises off that direction. Oops, that's the wrong... <clears throat> I, I drew it. Um, make some noises off here. Yep. So you, craft, you wave your hand and create the sound of rustling leaves and branches. The Blackguard and the Mage turn, facing their back away from you as they try to determine the source of the noise, giving Bobbit a few more seconds to do her work. Bobbit, please make a Thieves' Tools check. And uh, that one's going to be a 23. 
click. You slowly open the cage and McCain, the fighter, steps out. He just nods at you in thanks and then reaches for the sword in the hilt around his belt and silently pulls it out. Silently, slowly pulls it out. We'll just, yeah, as he's doing that, yeah, but we'll just put a hand on him and just go, just don't do anything silly. We're here for rescue, not assault. This is a stealth mission. Then you make your way to the final cage. Please make a third Thieves Tools check. I keep forgetting that Bobbit isn't in the body of a child anymore, so when you sound condescending, yeah. I keep imagining this child <laughs> being condescending to these hardened yeah. warriors. <laughs> Bobbit's an adult. Hush yeah. now. Hush now, Mama's working. <laughs> Oh, wow, that, that is a 19 plus 8, so I'm going to guess that one's just nicely. Yeah, just so sort of looks and goes, ah, this one wasn't even locked. Hmm? <laughs> Click. Hmm. You, slide the, you slide the door open, and Kristen steps out. She looks at you and says, hmm, I was been meaning to find a, a good reason to write a song about a URT. Thank you. Uh, hmm. That's okay. Now, if everyone's out, we can try and very quietly make our way back to the rest of the group and leave. Very well. I would mm. like everyone to make a stealth check, please. Okay, now my need to make it with disadvantage because my invisibility will have... But failed. you still have the... Uh... Yeah, the, I still have the pass without trace. The Blackguard okay, still uh... has his disadvantage, though, so... Yeah, and, yeah, I got a, um, a, a 30. Uh, 29. I've got 25. Oh, it's just damn near slithers out of the frigging camp. <laughs> that is a group pass. Hey. Take one last look at the black guard watching his men chase the panthers off into the shadows, and then you quickly duck into the corridor that leads onwards into the maze. Well as, done. As I get to the corridor, I'm going to step in but have my head pointing out watching the guards, and then I'm just going to drop concentration on the spell. Yep. Seeing their initial confusion, duck back into the corridor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just stop. They see the panthers disappear, and they just look around, waving their swords and spears, and then the black guard turns around, notices the doors of the cages are open, and shouts, They've escaped! But by this point, you've run off way down the corridor, and you hear a rumbling sound behind you as the stone walls shift, barring the passage behind you and sealing you away from your pursuers. That may have been my best idea yet. That was great. Look at us going full friggin' Metal Gear Solid on these assholes. Once yeah. the wall yeah. slides into place... You are a your, snake. Your new, <laughs> your new friends stop. Jared, the paladin, turns around and he says... I thank you for saving us. We've languished in those cages for... We do not even know how long. By any chance, have you found the rest of our companions? Oh yeah, they, they helped us out an awful bunch when we, before we got into this maze. 
They're standing by waiting for us to get to the, uh, the spire in the middle. Good, so Lyrene, Shadow, and Varga are fine. Then that means Lyrene has put her plan into action, and we are assaulting Shevelak? That's the plan. He looks at his two companions, and he says, Well, I don't suppose we would be able to make it back through the maze, back to the settlement on our own. So I guess we have no choice. The three of us will join you on your assault against Shavalak. Yeah. Also, if anyone thinks that Bob was, Bob was being slightly over-condescending to the fighter, just remember, the only other fighter she actively knows is Lucian, so... <laughs> just bad. to give you a That's base bad. level of, yeah, just watching this guy come out of cage pull so it's like, no, 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 no screwing this up, we're working here, no. <laughs> okay. So, we're awesome. Yeah, Bob just proved that she's also distraction and stealth. Now, what do we do? Um, Look ahead, and there in the distance, just beyond the curvature of the horizon, you can see the great blight spire. All you oh. need to do is walk towards it. Oh. Something tells me that it's not that going to be that easy. No, it never usually is. Um, do we have a minute to look to our newer companions go, so what can you guys do? do. Jared says, I'm a paladin of Tempest. Kristen here is an eloquence bard. Oh, God. But you're going to talk Shavalak into jumping off a cliff. I was going to say, how are you still in a cage? Could you just silver-talked your way out of that fucking box? <laughs> McCain steps forwards, wraps his fist on his chest plate, and says, and I am a champion fighter. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, introductions to the rest of the the rest of the group. There's it. These are our two druids. They're Bulbins in one. They're great. But there's Dragonbait. He's also a paladin, though I forget. Dragonbait, who do you worship? The God of Justice nods Dragonbait. Uh, that's it. That's it. Fun, fun. And the small child prancing around is Solution. He wasn't a child yesterday, but... You know, death makes fools of us all, it seems. Jared just nods and he says, Tempest works well with justice. We will fight mm. alongside you. Call you our friends. At least until oh, Shavalak is dealt with. I mean, we're about to go and fight in that evil aspect of a god. Friendship doesn't really seem to make much of a difference if we all die. Also, Miss Bard Lady, do you know healing spells at all? I was going to ask, is it long enough for us to have a short rest? No, you can have a short rest. Yeah, I'm going to have a short rest so that I have my wild shapes back. That would be nice. I would like to... Alrighty. At this, Kristen nods and pulls out, unslings the harp from around her shoulders and begins to play a somber slow tune playing her song of rest I do I do actually remember what this so does so while the song of rest is active mm -hmm. uh, wait wait let me see let me see I've got the wrong stat block here ah. new one I need the old one okay so 
Any ally who hears the song regains an extra 1d6 hit points if it spends any hit dice to regain hit points. Is that for every is... hit? Is that for every yes. hit dice? Yes. For every oh hit dice, you'll get god. an extra 1d6. Oh my god! Hey, I'm back up to full. Yeah, I'm gonna give me half a minute. Now, Dale, I'm pretty sure I know the answer is no, but can we spend hit dice to get spell slots back, or was that only in the fields? That was only in the fields, but I will allow you to do it here. Oh! Okay. After all, this place is filled with shadow magic, and... Okay, I have two hit dice left after spending seven that time to get four spell slots back and all my health. I spent three hit dice and got straight back to full. This is... I love this. <laughs> oh, is there a limit to what level spells we can get back with that? Or? You can use one spell slot to get... You can use one hit dice to get one spell slot back. The people are resting, I'll be right back. Okay. Okay, 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 good to me to actually do some research before we got to this fucking session. I am maxed out on spells by using one. Fair enough. I was using my spells on the hope that we were allowed to do this. Yeah, well, I was going to give you... I was going to say, once you enter the Blight Spire, you can spend hit dice, so I may as well just let you do it now. Fair enough. Uh, um, I'm just gonna have to go a giant. Hmm. And yes, you can sw- you can swap spells out because you're resting. So, okay. want to swap any out? You can go ahead. Uh, ah, now you've put the. Okay, well, I don't need to find the way anymore. Um, uh, will it? Oh, you can't swap spells, can you? I can't spells. Oh, well, yeah, well, we're being allowed to swap spells because we're resting. Okay. Um, I'm going... I'm going to take... Actually, no, actually, all the spells I have here are pretty much what I need. Well, I'm going to take magic. Healing Word because that might come in useful. Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> actually, I probably don't um, need to take... Well, do I want to take magic? Do I not want to take magic? Hmm. It's almost certainly going to be useful. Yeah. Although, I have a plan, and it's either going to get me killed immediately, or going to set this guy up for a one-two punch. Well, <laughs> maybe not a one-two punch, but at least the start of a, a fantastic combo. But well, well yes. if you want to tell me the plan, or would mm. you like rather save it for... I... <sighs> I don't know. I want to tell you so that you can help make it work, but at the same time, I don't want you to. Let me put it to you like this. As a friend, we would love to tell you a plan. As our DM, never share your plans with friends. That's that's fair enough. God Uh, makes plans of his own. So Zinhorn just swapped out a spell and then took protection from poison and instantly cast it on himself. Yep, good idea. Good idea. 
Oh, wait a second. Oh, Hero's Feast actually requires a uh, monetary value, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's why I didn't have it because I don't have the, the money. I, yeah. How much, how much money does it cost? A I'm thousand. looking it up. A thousand. Okay, no, I got nothing for that. Sorry. Oh, well, it's not the. the um, it's oh, not... Technically, I do, but I won't. Mm. Uh, it's technically supposed to be a. Bo- gem encrusted bowl worth at least a thousand GP. I got like five golden goblets that I think have gems on them, but I'm guessing that's not the same. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Roll a D100 for me. Oh god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I do that, then I've got like virtually no money left in that bowl. That being said, if I cast Hero's Feast, do we have one hour to sit here and eat it? Doesn't seem like you're in any danger. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, what, what's the uh, status on the uh, on the druids and whatnot? Do we have any way of checking in on that? You don't, but you don't appear to be in any danger presently. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I think. Hmm. Rolls. <laughs> Now's not the time for scrounging. <laughs> what would you like to do? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think I. No. You don't want to. You don't. You guys don't want to spend an hour. That's fair enough. I don't know. I just doesn't feel like we have the time for that. I don't know. You don't. You literally don't know. That's the thing. You don't appear to yeah. be in any danger, that said. But well, currently, yeah, currently, it appears. Yeah. So, what was the signal for... As you say this, you hear a muffled voice coming from within the pockets of your cloak. reach mm-hmm. into your pocket and pull out a sending stone. As you retrieve the sending stone, you hear Messica's voice. Something's happening. The the shadow kin in the settlement are they're all turning their attention towards the blight spire. They can sense something's happening. That's probably cuz we're at the front of it. Also Tell our new friends that we found their friends. You hear muffled voices, and then Messica says, They will rejoice when this is done. Fair enough. Also, when did you get the time to put this in my pocket? Hmm? While you were resting, she says. Uh, Or, shall I say, prancing around, pretending not to be a URT, holding that staff. (laughs) You know, I can't, can't even argue with that. It was fun to prance. She says, yeah. How close are you to the centre of the maze? <laughs> Tilts head slightly to the left, looking immediately at the spire, going, Pretty much next door. Mm-hmm. She says, We are holding the we are holding the area in front of the conduit. Artis is here. Sorry. He's able to use the ring, but Maybe another hour more, and Shavalak's influence will take over again. 
Hmm. Uh, what did I miss? Sorry. Uh, we got a message from a Mesca who managed to slip a sending spell a stone into my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> she says, So, what is your plan? Um, the Bob plan. I, I, I just literally passed the stone to him, just Bob plan. I missed it because Kitty got into, uh, Missy got into the Kitty litter. Ah, right. I, I haven't been here for the last two minutes, sorry. That's um, why I asked, what was that? <laughs> yeah, so she says they are holding the area in front of the conduit. Artis is there and is ready to use the ring. Yep. However, she thinks that within the hour, Shavalak will probably begin to exert his influence again over Artis. Okay, so no heroes face then. Yeah. I figured that. You could That's risk fair. it. No. <laughs> I'd like to, but no. Because we don't know um, how long it's going to take to get through the Blight Spire. Yeah. Is the problem. Like, he could be sitting there, curled up in it, or he could be sitting at the top. Yeah, at the top. You don't even know need... what's inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so no, I'm not going to risk Hero's Feast. Mm. I'll keep the spells that I have. Hmm. For sixth level, um, I think. Uh, I will, however, take out reincarnate and put in charm monster. Mm, yes. Do we have any? Do we have any revival spells now? I have reincarnate. I'm oh, not sorry. Okay. I, no, not reincarnate. I've got. No, um, well, as I don't have any like reviving. I've got regenerate. Sorry, that's what I'm. Uh, the problem is we don't have the money for it anyway. That is also well, yeah, no. Charm okay, monster. Okay, um, every, everybody not die. Problem solved. Would, would I? Would Bulb know if Charm Monster would work on a dragon? Because we've fought dragons before. Would I know what? Yeah, it would. It, it has a potential to work. Oh, yeah, sorry, if they failed to save. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm taking Charm Monster then, which is the fourth level. Got a lot of spells that we hope that he runs yeah. out of legendary yeah. resistances. For. I has plan. <laughs> okay. I'm just here to just have a good time with friends. Yes. I'm I... sure the truth. Uh, I am as ready as I can be. I... I'm not going to wild shape yet, because my plan requires me to wild shape. We need to to see what's in the Blight Spire first. Okay, yeah, well, you go talk to your druid friends, and Bob will just go, yeah, we're, we're pretty much at the Spire now, so... Um... Am I seeing any effects of the druids maybe starting their ritual yet? You don't see any obvious effects, but you do know that by now they would have started the ritual. The ritual is in effect, even though you cannot see anything that may have resulted from it. The black mists that serve as the ceiling of this maze look uh, block out your view of anything beyond them, and you cannot see any change within the maze itself. 
That is fair. I'm going to... Yeah, just... I'm ready. As ready as I'm going to be. Alright. Messicus says... Are you about to be? Are you about to begin the assault? I'll have Artus start to use his magic on your word. Nice. Yeah. Good to go. Yep. Oh, um, so Lucian and Dragonbait just nod silently and resolve. Do you want to hold? the stone to your mouth and just take a peek inside the blight spire sure so oh, Bobbit building if... oh, do you want to Bobbit uh, yes kind of so I cast past that trace oh, yep. I think it's still active it's still active it is still active yeah I renew it Renew it. Yes. Tapping your staff yeah, yeah. on the ground. Bobbit approaches the Blight Spire and Bobbit you see a building made of jagged black stone which towers above the rest of the Shadewalk. Its upper spires reaching into the cold grey sky that is just visible through the cracks in the shadowy mists. Three large chunks of dark rock float near the top, each one linked to the upper spire by a thick iron chain. Despite this, you see nothing along the side of the spire that indicates that anyone lives within. There are no windows, no doors, no balconies. The structure widens at the bottom where a grand entryway lies open in its centre. An ominous dark red glow emanates from within, rhythmically pulsing like a beating heart. Mm. Well, that looks spooky as hell. Mm. Um, we'll just casually wander back to the others and go, so, there's only one way in, no way to tell what's going on, weird stones connected to the top of the spider just kind of floating there, and, well, I hope you all enjoy ominous glows, because this thing has glows for, well, it's it's kind of like watching a beating heart, but like on the outside, weird. Okay, well, maybe we get artists to start, and we move hard, and we move fast. Messicus mm. says, very well, act quickly. I suspect we won't have mm. much time. And then you hear her call out the order, mm. NOW! And the sending best. stone goes silent. Oh, best of luck, Freezy Pop. Mm. All right, people, time for running. Mm. Your companions grab their weapons and charge ahead, and you rush through the entrance of the Blight Spire into the beating heart of that pulsating red light beyond the doorway. A bitter frost lingers in this chamber, bearing no visible source. As your eyes adjust to the pitch black darkness, you realize that you are in an empty circular room composed of nothing but polished black stone. A multitude of sigils and glyphs are carved along the walls, all pulsing with an eerie reddish glow. In the very center of the room, shadows and 
black, inky tendrils of darkness whirl together, forming a spiralling portal to some place beyond. Uh, I would like to say with the um, Oathbinder, it does actually um, shed light, so we do have yes. some lighting to work with. Just, okay. Well, we know it's making the glow now. Who wants to jump into the mysterious portal to some other hellscape first? Any takers? Any takers? Well, I've used this phrase before, but women and children first? <sighs> I immediately walk, just immediately walks over to Lucian going, well, you heard the man. <laughs> Lucian just shrugs and sighs, hangs his head and says, very well, to our deaths. He takes a step uh, forwards, placing his... At least we can his... take him out with us. Wait, hold on, sorry. What yep. does this curse do to him again? Uh, apathy. makes him believe mm. that... Yeah, apathy. Nothing that uh, we can do is going to win. Um, but uh, how does that affect him mechanically, if I can ask that? Makes him have disadvantage on wisdom, say, on um, all and saves. That's why he's been fucking up so badly. All saves. I am... Is he the only one that has this? Yes, he's the only one that has that specific curse. I'm before he goes in. Mm. I am. We can't cure it though. I didn't. Uh, no, restoration does, doesn't it? Nope. No, we checked that. It can't be yep. cured. Until That's who you leave, leave the shadow fell. Oh, so what do I have again? Fuck, you I have so yours you gives you disadvantage madness. on all mental saves and ability oh, checks. Okay. Mine was all saves, but I've just been... My dice have been Oops. scaring me today. I completely fucking forgot about that shit. Oh, too late so now. Lucian steps now. forwards, and as soon as his foot steps through the border of the swirling darkness, he just disappears, popping out I'm... of existence silently and without warning. I'm going to wild shape into a giant eagle and follow him. Yep. Yeah, Bobbit's gonna go, yeah, you know what, just to be safe. Uh, new people, try not to freak out with this, and we'll just immediately go, well, where Tiger Form goes. Uh, this is the last time I have to use the damn thing. Alrighty. We exchange glances, and then there's one unit step forwards towards <laughs> the portal. Oh, poor Lucy. We kind of just punted him through the portal first, then went, okay, so as a group. <laughs> oh, I mean, I we? technically, technically, <laughs> <seen one. laughs> he's it's... the one that said women and children first, so I grabbed Lucian. I didn't realize that he was just going to walk in on his own. As soon as you touch the darkness, you were instantly transported. There is no sensation save for a split second feeling that your body is lurching forwards, being shrunken down and pulled through a tiny tear in reality itself. And then you arrive at your destination. About to get the map. Here we go. You stand in the middle of an... You stand upon solid ground in what seems like an endless, featureless void of roiling black and grey energy. Around you, you can see shards of rock, 
pieces of solid land, what appear to be giant bones and other pieces of miscellaneous debris floating within the void. And then you realize where you are. The portal has brought you to the astral plane. You take a step back and look down upon the thing you stand and realize that the solid ground you stand upon is none other than the floating, lifeless corpse of Uptow. Floating dead endlessly in the astral plane. Reactions. And by the way, your Shadowfell curses are now gone. Uh, well, guess what? The dread doesn't go away. Alessandra is devastated to find her god dead. <laughs> yes, indeed. Just putting your new allies down. Uh, I, my, my, I, my actual god? Oh my god? Oh, this is... Paladin. Okay. Oh my god. This, like, well, this map looks fucking amazing, yeah. but like, this just looks ah, shit. You all exchange know. glances at each other, looks of awe, terror, and sheer speechless reverence. You realise you stand upon a dead god. And then ahead of you, you see something, a great shadow moving within the void. A terrible roar pierces the silent emptiness. And then you see Shavalak in the form of the ancient void dragon beating its wings, flying towards you, determined to destroy the interlopers. Please roll for initiative. Do we, do we have, do we, oh, we do have different music on my, uh, um, there because, we go, damn people. Because I'm a giant eagle, do I use its decks? Yes. Okay, cool. Oh my God, here we go, damn go. 13. 13. Unnatural 20. Of course. <laughs> Robert? 19. 19. Oh, weird next time not having so high. So Lucian <laughs> yeah. goes last, and all of the... And I'll have the fastest of the allies roll. That will be the Bard. And... That is nine. Okay, so you all go, and then the allies, and then Sir Lucian. Okay. Do we, do we have boss music? It begins. Oh. <laughs> oh my. Zinhorn. I like boss music. You are up first as you see Shavalak barreling through the astral plane towards you. Determined to destroy you. What do you do? You know what, let's just do something that will 
for something. Uh, and let's start with a, an ice, ice storm sounds. Yep. Like it might. What's the range on that? Uh, range is 300 feet. Yep, so you could hit Shavalak, go ahead. Uh, he's going to make his roll. What does he need to roll? Dex. Dex. That is an 8. He's going to choose to pass with a legendary resistance. Excellent. Um, so still 4d6. But hang on. No. Let's do d8 first. Which is 10 points of bludgeoning. Actually, no, he's not going to choose to pass, sorry. So he's going to fail, so roll the full damage. 10 points of bludgeoning. 10 points of bludgeoning. And that is... The cold damage is 4, 8, uh, 11, 13 colds. Raise your hand, summoning the ice storm into the void, buffeting him. He takes the 10 points of bludgeoning damage, but is immune to cold damage and continues flying straight through the ice storm towards you. But does that mean he doesn't have difficult terrain? Uh, he still has the difficult terrain, he just doesn't take oh, damage. Uh, then Zinhorn is going to run 35 feet up the torso. Yep, 35 feet up the torso. Very well. Getting away from the group. Yep. Mm. It is and now initiative. Bonus action, yep. um, bonus action, start my shield. Yep. Your shield flies up, begins circling around you. It is now initiative count 20. It is mm-hmm. time for Shavalak's lair action. Oh, no. The dragon rips the fabric of space, forcing two creatures it can see within 120 feet of it to suddenly exist in the same place. It selects Zinhorn and Bobbit, wedging them together. Ow! I need... Zinhorn, you over here! (laughs) Zinhorn and Bobbit each take 19 points of force damage. And you both need to make strength saves to avoid being knocked prone. You said 19, right? Yep. Okay, that's... <laughs> strength save is a 15. 15. Uh, tough, tough 20. Oh, yep. Sorry. So you do not fall prone, regain your footing, just in time for Bobbit to take her turn. Next time you come, please don't run into me. I didn't choose this, you know. Mm-hmm. I was hoping to be a little bit close to everyone else, but yeah, just in case we start doing things, Bowen's going to go and start going, well, time to break out all the potions that Bowen's been hoarding up till this point. Uh, just kind of hoping to be on my own for this one. Zinhorn, if anything weird happens, don't judge, she says as she pulls out the uh, potion of invulnerability we got from the Dendar Temple. Yep. You uncork it, force the liquid down your throat. I want you to roll a d6 for me, please. Okay. That is a three. That is a three. And as you feel the potion coursing through your body and the invulnerability takes hold... 
flesh begins to roil and your flesh begins to roil and twist and before everyone's eyes your lower body contorts your legs fusing together changing into the long scaled appendage of a serpentine tail you've become a type 3 UNT Mallison I will put your attacks uh, in the discord that you have unlocked oh you are a type 3 Mallison you've unlocked see. the constrict ability Oh, good. You now uh, gain resistance to all types of damage. That's so, also helpful, but yeah, Alice, yeah, both just looks and goes, yeah, um, I'd like to point out, still in like wet tiger form as well, so this probably looks completely messed up, and just this side eyes in horn and just goes, you mentioned one word of resemblance to you know who, and I'm feeding you to Uptown. <laughs> so what and, else do you do on your turn, yeah. Bobbit? Um, well, a lot of stuff. The only thing I really have I can hit him with from this range would be Eldritch Blast. So let's go ahead and start firing those off with Reckless Abandon. Yep. So All right. Go ahead. Roll to hit it. Okay. We have a 29, a 28, and a 25. Okay. So two of them hit. However, as the 28... Eight, the one that you rolled 28 on flies towards the Void Dragon. It uses its reaction to create a small rift in space around it, increasing its hmm? AC by 7 to 29. No! Oh my god! Please tell me that's a temporary thing. Just, just for this, just until, um, just for this, um, attack. Hmm. You see oh, your Eldritch Blast be sucked into the black hole, and then a black hole opens next to you, and the blast oh, no. flies straight back towards you. Please roll damage oh. for all three, and the first okay. one hits you. Okay. Well, that's, that's ten points on the first one. Yep, so ten and points you can... take. And he can take 23 points of force damage. So, yeah... Oh, that's brutal. Just, yeah, yeah, got him. Wait, what is that? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it is now the Void Dragon's turn. So instead of bothering with the difficult terrain, he's going to use his bonus action, and you see the black black hole of the Void swallow Shavalak up, and he teleports to right around Uptow's midsection between oh. each of you. And then he looks towards Bobbit and Zinhorn, inhales, and unleashes his solar flare breath. I am so glad I drank that invulnerability potion I need first. Bobbit and Zinhorn to please make DC 24 deck saves. Okay. DC 24? Oh, yes. God. Considering I physically can't roll higher than a 23, Bobbit is instead going to use a reaction to cast uh, Absorb Elements. Yep. Which is why I'm ooh, really ooh. glad I just started Yep, Zinborn, you can do that too. I rolled a 17 plus 9. Oh, you oh, made us. I basically, I'm not, I'm not even rolling because there's no actual reason for me to try because I can't do it. The starfire surges out towards you and you each take 
22 points of fire damage. Also use yep. absorb elements. So eleven that. points of fire damage plus twenty-two points of radiant damage. That's right, it doesn't work yeah. for radiant. So thirty-three damage. damage altogether. Shavalak oh, ends yeah, his turn. It is Bulb's turn. Oh wait, before he ends his turn spreads his wings and flies down towards the rest of the combatants. Now it's Bulb's turn. Um... Would I be able to fly, land on his back, use my action to wild shape back into my form, use meta magic adept to quicken spell a spell into a bonus action and attack him? Yes. I will get you to do an acrobatics check, please. And it will be contested uh, by his wisdom, by his perception, as he sees you coming. Uh, so you got lucky, and he nat one meaning you have to beat oh, 10. I have to beat a 10, and... So is this me flying? Yes, this is you flying okay, so towards him, and he sees you coming, and you're trying to dodge his claws as he tries Sorry. to stop you. So I've got plus three, plus three. Come on, it's better than my plus one. Come on. That's an 11 plus three. I got 14. You swoop up, dodging Shavalak's claws, hover above his back, and then transform back into a fur bulg and drop down on top of him. I'm then quickened uh, quickened spell, use my two points that I have. I am going to cast Contagion. Yep. And I am going to... Hit him with m- mind fire. Yep, so go ahead, make a melee spell attack. Please fucking work, please fucking work, please fucking work, please fucking work, please fucking work. <sighs> Which... <laughs> That's a 19 plus 13. 19 plus 13, that is a hit. <laughs> he Touch is him. with mind. <laughs> yeah. Mind fire. Acting so, as if under the effects of confusion. Yep, so oh. on a hit, I afflict the creature with a disease of my choice. At the end of each of the target's turns, it must make a constitution saving throw. After failing three of these saving throws, the disease effects last for the duration. Yep. So he has to make three saving throws after each, one after each, or he has to make up to three. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just if he fails. Yeah. Yep, and if he uh, fails three of them, then he becomes infected with the mind rot. Okay. So he's already infected. Yep. It's just that, yeah, it's like it lasts way longer if he yeah, fails if he... three. So, is that all you're doing for your turn? And then bonus action on... Uh, no, yeah, that's my turn, because action to wild shape, bonus action to... <laughs> yep, okay. You're now riding a goddamn void dragon. Yeah. So at the end of your turn, he's going to use a legendary action. This is not a reaction, so it's unaffected yep. by confusion. He's going to no use good. two of his actions to do a void slip. The dragon twists the fabric of space within, around him. Each creature within 15 feet of him must make a DC 21 dex save. So that's going to be... every. So everyone except Bobbit and Zinhorn. Hey. Look, to be uh, fair, we did just take a goddamn stuff. Yeah, Solar <laughs> player on the face, so... 
Corset's a failure for Sir Lucian. I failed. Wait, how much damage did we take from the Radiant? Because I should have actually... 22. I should have taken half of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. So you took 11 from that too. I'll I'll just add 11 to my health. That's fine. Okay, so... So, the only person who passed was Kristen, the Bard. Oh boy. The rest of you take... 16 points of bludgeoning damage and a knocked prone. Yeah, I'm prone on the back of a dragon. So Lucian is prone, Dragon <laughs> yeah. Bait is prone, Jared is prone, McCain is prone, and oh, Bulb God. is prone. The dragon can then teleport to a space within 50 feet. It's going to teleport and come out right next to Bobbit and Zinhorn. Hey, Bulb! Oh, no, Bulb didn't come with. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, Bulb can't, yeah. So Bulb, as it teleports... As it teleports, oh, no. Bulb just yeah. begins to fall down into the astral void. Oh, what a lovely place to fall. Uh, <laughs> I can't even use Feather Fall. I don't actually have Feather Fall on me. Oh, dear. It is Sir Lucian's turn. He's going to get up from being... Uh, he's going to get up from being yeah. prone, and then he's going to run to the very edge of Uptow's leg and hurl his throwing axe. And that is one hit, so that is ten points of damage. And he's, yeah, and given that he missed with two of his other attacks, he's going to forego one of his attacks and call out, Bobbit, take your chance! Yeah, Bobbit. (laughs) <laughs> giving Bobbit okay. a uh, commander's strike. A bonus attack okay. for Bobbit. Mm, okay, so I'm just going to go and take my new stick and club him in the face. Does a 24 hit him? It does. Cool, cool. Because... Um, what does Chevrolet currently count? I'm guessing he counts as an actual dragon. He can't, so counts my... as a gargantuan dragon, yes. Okay, so I don't get anything from my... Uh, no, unfortunately. But he's still going to be taking extra damage from fire. It's he be, is. It's hurt from fire. So that's D8. Um, please go high. Oh, that's max damage on the uh, bludgeoning, so that's 17 points of bludgeoning damage, and then you can have... Four points of fire. Yeah. <laughs> nice. The fire surges across Shabalak's black scales and he roars, looking at you yeah. with intense hatred. And you then... Just the... just, yeah, I was going to say, Bobbit just looks back and goes, what's the matter? You can dish out the fire, but you can't take it. That seems rude. And then, before he ends his turn, so Lucian is going to, as a bonus action, use his rally... He spends one superiority die. He's going to roll it. That is max. So he Mm. says, Zinhorn, look out! And Zinhorn, you are granted 11 temporary hit points from Sir Lucian. McCain, the fighter, climbs to his feet. Why did you say look out? 
Um, <laughs> right next to the dragon. I was going to say, yeah, we got blown up uh, and it's right next 10, to us. Ah, oh, yes, 15. look out. McCain the fighter runs up next to Sir Lucian and he raises his short bow, firing it three times. And he only hits once, dealing seven points of damage. Every little bit counts. Isn't Sir Lucian supposed to go last in this? Yeah, well, it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> it's fine, it's fine, don't worry about it. Jared's the just... Paladin and Dragonbait both climb to their feet and move 15 feet towards the dragon. Dragonbait does not have a ranged attack, and. Jared oh. does, however. He is going to. Uh, raise his short bow and fire three attacks. Only one of them manages to hit. He deals he... three points of piercing damage, the lowest he can do. Three, oh. eight, four. But then he is going to smite and deal an extra ten points of damage. As his arrow nice. explodes into holy energy, striking Shavalak. Kristen the Bard is not knocked prone. And so she is going to... Uh, let me see. Is that a touch? Uh, she is going to use her... She's going to rush up to McCain and Sir Lucian, and then she is going to use her Bolster Allies ability. She pulls out her harp and begins to strum, singing, her lilting voice echoing through the void, and granting Zinhorn, Bobbit, Bulb and Sir Lucian each 30 temporary hit points. Oh, thank you. She can only do this thank once per you. long rest. That's fine, we'll take that. Thank I'll, you. I'll take an extra 41 temporary hit Yeah, you, you just damn. <laughs> so at the end of her turn, Shavalak uses his last legendary action to make a tail attack against Bobbit. Eat. Swinging his <laughs> tail. That is a nat 20 with a 36 to hit. No! I'm, glad I have, I'm glad I have resistance to whatever this is. To Bulb, you would take no. 40 bludgeoning damage, but you take 20. Bobbit, not Bulb. Yeah, Bobbit, yeah. How much, how much did I take? Uh, 20 with your resistance. Cool, I still, I still have my temporary hit points. Haha! Zinhorn, it is Thank your God. turn. Okay, so. Zinhorn is going to invoke his second use of Shigambi's Gift to start yep. off with. Um, and then is going to cast um, Summon Elemental to create a Fire Elemental. A Fire Elemental, yep. Is then, Where is he going to appear? Uh, um, over sort of this side here. Yep. So fire ele the, the void twists and warps and a fire elemental appears.
appears beside Shabalak. Next thing, Zinhorn's going to use his bonus action to go elemental himself. Fire yep. elemental. That's fair enough. And then looking at the other fire, at, at Blaze, the fire elemental, going to combine. Yep, they know the deal. Rush towards Blaze, surging your body into his. Please make an arcana check. Uh, arcana is at 19. 19. The two of you merge together, forming a huge fire elemental. Um, and then is going to, as huge fire elemental, going to blast wave. Yep. Uh, so each creature within 15 feet uh, must succeed on a 17 dex save. Yep. So Shabalak's going to roll that. Bobbit, you're just out of range. You're lucky. That's why I went on the, that's why I went on the other side of the dragon. Yep. That is... Say, yeah, you just hear like a rattlesnake. hisses <laughs> as this thing goes past. Saying, hey! That is a 14. Fail. He's going to choose to not... He's, he's going to choose to not pass. So he's not going to use his legendary resistance. All right. Oh. So that means... Yeah, that is 8d6. Yep. Uh, that is 6, and 6 is 12, and 5 and 5 makes 10, so that's 22 that is caught. That's another uh, 20, 32, and 34, and 35 points of fire damage. 35 points of fire damage, not bad at all. Um, it's also ignited. Yep, he is ignited. Flames surge I'm... down him. Until the creature takes an action to douse the fire, it takes 2d10 every at the start of each of its turns. Yep. Now, so, because I get a, another action... Yep. Does that mean I can attempt to recharge the blast wave on this one, or does it have to wait until next cycle next of action? Next turn, next turn. Yeah. But if he well, recharges that, it next turn, he can get it. He can immediately use it, so... Yeah, well, I just wanted to make sure what you're ruling for the same... Yeah, uh, but that means I do get a multi-attack on said fire majigi. So first round is uh, that is a seventeen to hit. Seventeen to hit. Unfortunately, that does not hit. Okay, Flames do not pierce the void dragon's thick hide. And then the. Uh, second multi-attack is a... Well, that is a 19 plus 8 is a 27. Yep. That so is that a hit. 3d6. That is 5 and 4. And that is 9 and 3 is 12. Plus the plus 4 is 16 points of fire damage. Ooh, not bad at all. Not bad at all. Okay, so at the end of your turn, he uses it. Oh yeah, no, because he had four. Yes, he's got one left. He uses his last legendary action to make a tail attack against you, swinging his tail, and that will be a twenty-six to hit. Twenty-six to hit. Uh, yes, that it hits. You take. Sorry, I was good. 
I was just reading another thing which ah, says yeah. a creature that touches the elemental or hits it with a melee attack while within five feet of it takes 2d10 fire damage. It does, yes. So you take 30 points of bludgeoning damage and you may now roll the 2d10. That is... Uh, wow, that is two, t- uh, two tens. Oh, oh my god. I didn't see zero when I didn't think of ten. It is now <laughs> initiative count 20. Uh, and I lost 30 HP, is it? Yep. So that takes... Away your temporary HP, yep. So I still have 11 temporary HP. He is going to use his lair action. The void briefly overlaps the dragon's area in a 20-foot radius sphere of blackness punctuated by deep blue streaks and pinpoints of the light. He's going to summon it directly where he is, making Zinhorn and Bobbit make constitution saves, please. Oh, no. That is a 22. 17 plus 5. Also a 22. 18 plus 5. Okay, so take half the damage. So, Zinhorn, you take 9 points of cold damage. Bobbit, you take Uh (laughs) 4. And Uh, Zinhorn, you take 12 radiant damage. And Bobbit, you take 6. Congratulations, you only just now removed the last of my temporary hit points. And now, this area here is contained within the void. Oh. What does that mean? It means anyone who begins or ends their turn there will take damage, and it's also difficult to rain. Damn it. It is now Shavalak's turn. Obviously, he's immune to his own void, so he doesn't worry about that. But he does roll for confusion. So, Bulb, I'd like you to roll a d10, please. Mm, A d10. Okay, let's see. What's been doing good for me? Um, Eight. Eight. The creature uses its action to make a melee attack against a randomly determined creature within its reach. I'm sorry. Also, it takes 13 points of fire damage from the burn. Yes, that's from the flames. So Uh, he's going to make a melee attack. That means he's going to make one bite and two claw attacks on uh, Zinhorn. So the bite attack... I also realised that I used the wrong fucking um, disease, but oh well, too late now. So uh, (laughs) the bite attack is a 27 to hit. So you take 19 points of piercing damage plus 16 points of cold damage. So the piercing damage, I have resistance to piercing. Yep, so you take half of that, so you take 10. So 10. And then you take 16 points of cold damage. Minus 16. And then, so is this, because he hits me each time, he takes 2d10 fire damage each time he hits me. Yes. Oh my god. But roll for that. Don't roll for that yet. You'll see how many times he hits you. Then he makes his two claw attacks. One is 26 and one is a natural 36. So both of those hit you. So from the first one, you take seven point... Do you have resistance to slashing or just piercing? Uh, Bludgeoning, bludgeoning, piercing and slashing from... So you take seven points of slashing damage plus 11 cold damage. 
And then from the third one, you take 13 points of slashing damage plus 26 cold damage. And so he hit you three times, so that's 6d10 fire damage. Okay, um, where are my d10s? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, okay. Um, that is a 9, and 9 is 18, and 7 is, uh, uh, uh 25. 25, yeah, lovely. 25, and 4 is, uh, 29, and 3 is... 32 and 2 is 34 points of fire damage from recoil. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> okay. And then he's going to re-roll. He's going to roll to see if he recharges his stellar flare breath. Mm. He does. Gets a 5. Oh, but he can't use it because of the confusion. And then he's going to spend one of his legendary resistances to pass his con save. Oh. And let me I'll see. That was nice while it lasted. That's one resistance he's used? Yep. So and that's only one of the. Oh, does that. Oh, yeah, that means he's oh, passed and he's not. Yeah. yeah um, I'm, I'm get it wrong. Yep, mm. he succeeded, so he's no longer infected by the contagion. Uh, and then he's going to oh, use. It's yep. after succeeding on three of these saving throws the creature ah, recovers three. Oh, so, so one of three so he still has it good yeah. yeah before he ends his turn I'll he's gonna use three yep. of his resistances <laughs> before he ends his turn he's gonna use a bonus action to teleport right next to Jared Bulb and Dragonbait Emerging no, from the he's void. Still under the, he's still under the effect of the confusion spell. He is, but he can't do it. So all he can do is teleport to you, and he can't actually do anything. He ends oh, his I... turn. Okay. It is Bobbit's turn, and Bobbit, at the start of mm -hmm. your turn, as you are within the, yeah, void, in the void, you take this hurt. seven points of cold damage with your resistance. I'm so glad I decided to use that potion first. Okay, well, I had I had a plan for this turn, but it's kind of gone off the rails while I'm stuck inside this thing, so... Okay, since teleportation seems oh, to be Oh, and bad, I also forgot but... to reveal that ordinarily, Shavalak regenerates 66 HP at the start of each of his turns, but thanks to Bulb's Druid Ritual, he no longer oh, has this ability. Oh my god! Bulb, oh, you fucking genius! So far... That's probably the best thing that it could have stopped. Yeah. So far. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. No. As a. Um... He also doesn't have access to his other breath weapon due to Artis freezing the conduit. Oh, thank God. Okay. Oh, I'm okay. ask what that does because that just sounds awesome. Now, quick question: If I use a bonus action to use a spell, can I then use a regular action to drink a potion? Yes. Cool. Well, in that case. Bobbit is going to look at the whole teleportation thing and just go, you know what? Not impressed. Bobbit can do that as well. And just misty step over to where the rest of the group is. Yep. So you step forwards out of the void and emerge with everyone else on the up tower's upper leg. Okay. So I have one more potion I want to work with. So I might as well drink that while we're here. Bobbit's going to pull out the uh, fire giant strength potion. And down that. Ah, <laughs> nice. It's 
a bad goddamn time. So the already scary looking, you know, half were tiger, half snake thing just bulks up considerably. The muscles just bulge out. I really uh, want to see an artist draw. I would love to see right that an attempt right now as a fucking you fucking half tiger, tiger just on roids, just like ah. Uh, Okay, <laughs> unfortunately that's all I can do on my turn, but oh boy, hold on to your hats, kids. At the end of your turn, Shavalak's going to use two of his legendary actions to void slip, twisting the fabric of space. I need Bobbit and Bulb to make a DC 21 deck save, please. Huh. Oh, hi, Bob. Uh, that's only a 15. Uh, yep. that's a 9 for me. 9, okay. So, Bulb and Bobbit, you each take 24 points of bludgeoning damage. Bobbit, you take 12, I... and you are knocked prone. Bulb, you're already falling, so it doesn't matter. But Bobbit, you are knocked prone. Wouldn't he be, like, moved towards my location with that, that attack? Isn't that how that one worked? No, 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 just knocks you prone, and then he... Uh, uh, Dragon Bait is knocked prone, however, Jared is not. And then Shavalak teleports to the very top of... to the very top of Uptow's leg. You could just say ass. Ass. Try not to ruin the... It is now the companion's turn. Dragonbait climbs to his feet, runs towards Shavalak, but can't quite make it. But Jared can. He rushes forwards, raises his glaive, and makes three attacks. Unfortunately, he's not able to hit with any of them. Okay. McCain, the fighter, rushes forwards. He raises his longsword, makes three attacks. Two of them hit, one does not. So he deals... Ooh, 30 points of damage, not bad. He is then going to use his second wind and make three more attacks. And unfortunately only one of them hits. He deals 12 points of damage. Any damage is good damage. Mm hmm. Oh my goodness. Just waiting for my turn. <laughs> mm hmm. Kristen the Bard attempts to cast Hold Monster on Shavalak. Oh, hopefully your DC's high. Her DC is. Uh, her DC is 18. Makes sense. gonna make Makes a sense. wisdom save. He nat one and he's going to choose oh. to pass. Oh. That's two. That's two. one more. And, and, uh, is three the max, though? At the end of her <laughs> turn, Shavalak decides to use a legendary action to make a tail attack upon Jared. That is a nat 20. He hits Jared for 58 points of bludgeoning Ooh. damage. Oh, dear. It is Sir Lucian's turn. He rushes forwards to Shavalak, draws his sword, and attacks 
four times since he did move at least ten feet. Unfortunately, he only hits once. Wow. Bloody. Deals 16 points of damage. And then he's going to spend a superiority dice to add a precision attack. Adding an extra 3 points of damage. And then at the end of his turn, Shabalak is going to make another tail attack, this time at Sir Lucian. Unfortunately for Sir Lucian, it's another nat 20. See, this is what I knew at some point our luck was going to turn around. Now he's so Lucian takes 52 points of bludgeoning damage, bringing him down to 121 hit points. <laughs> I picked the wrong time to have a drink. Yeah. It is now Bulb's turn. Bulb, you are oh, falling. How far down am I? You are about 10 feet down because you fall 10 feet a turn. Okay. I think you're an eagle. You are an no, eagle, was, though. Oh, yeah, you no, know you're a purple. Oh, I would like to use Misty Step to get as close to Shavalak as I can. Yes, he landed. He has no, landed. Well, he's just flying there. above. He's not landed. Yeah, yeah. So, so I you... Misty Step as close as I can. Yep, so how far does... What's the range of Misty Step? 60 feet, I think, 30, yeah. Uh, 30 feet, I think, Misty okay, Step so is. 10 up, and then 5, 10, 15, 20 puts you right here. And then I'll use my actual movement to get into Run melee right range up of him. To him. Yep. Now my question is, can you be infected by two diseases at once? You sure can. I'm going to contagion him again. Very well, very well. Because Misty Step is a bonus action and contagion is a full action. It is. I'm going to roll to hit him. Yep. And I've never been so nervous to make a roll in my life. <sighs> that is a 15 plus 13. That is a hit. And I, Wait, actually, time... 15 plus 13, that's 28. Yeah. Oh, but he can't make reactions. So, no, that's a hit. No. Oh, thank fuck. <laughs> Don't scare me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this time, and this is the one that I was supposed to do first, uh, he's going to start bleeding uncontrollably. Yeah, he with He now his... is infected with slimy doom. He has disadvantage on constitution checks and constitution saving throws. In addition, whenever the creature takes damage, it is stunned until the end of its next turn. Hmm. Just have to look up to stunned prevent legendary action. Legendary. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Because I do not know. Uh, let's see. I just infected him with Slimy Doom. Yes. And oh, the legendary creature could still use legendary resistance and legendary actions while stunned, paralyzed, or unconscious. That's fair. Uh, I mean, it's better than nothing. At the end... Oh, he's, already, he's out of legendary actions anyway. So... Oh, thank God. Uh, yeah. Okay. We go to Zinhorn. Okay, so... Going to start off by rolling in the Discord to see if I get my uh, wave back, and I do not, unfortunately. Do not, and also you started your turn in the void, so you take. Uh, let me see. 18 points of cold damage. So, going to make. You've got 50. Well, I've got to make a con. No, an arcana. Correct, don't I? Yes. Um, DC okay. of 20. DC of 20. Okay, come on. 
Come on. Uh, that is uh, 18 plus 5. So you so maintain your form as the huge fire elemental. Okay, I'm still a huge fire elemental. Come on! Eminem, Eminem, please hit him. Not working. Please hit him. Yeah. I'm going to move my 50 feet to get onto the other side of Chevrolet. Yep. And then going to multi attack times two. Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Well, he's stunned. Gangrush throwing shit at him. So I I was. I was meaning over this side if I could. Ah, that side? Uh, Yep. Uh, You float, don't you? Yes, that's fine. So, first multi-attack is uh, 18 plus 8, so 26. Um, That does not hit, unfortunately. 26 does not hit. Okay. He's going to use his... Oh, it's still no reactions. That's right. Nope, it hits. No, you can't. (laughs) Yeah, because he's confused. (laughs) I keep forgetting. Okay. So that is d6 plus 4, that is uh, 13 plus 4 is 17. Yep. Points of fire damage on the first one. Yep, 17. Uh, Second part of uh, multi-attack times 1 is uh, 18. Uh, That unfortunately does not hit. But he's stunned until the end of his next turn. Except condition immunities. Charmed, frightened, stunned, unconscious. That, yep, okay. Okay, so I can't be stunned anyway. Still has disadvantage Um, on his con saves, though. That's fine. I'm going to swap dice because that one didn't work the second time, so multi-attack times two. That's a nat one, so that Dallas has been thrown away. (laughs) Burn it! This one is uh, unnatural twenty. That's unnatural twenty. That is a not a hit because he's AC's twenty-two. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> well, I, I got an attack. But, yes, you did. Uh, I do have a vine with that weapon. Yes, go ahead, vine. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> is a seventeen plus. What is that? That's a plus five, so that's a 22! Oh! Uh, mine hits! It does! Hits. How much damage? Yeah, mine. Uh, and uh, did I end up getting both fines back, or have I just got the one? Just one, because Bobbit was just... using the other. No, I gave that back. Oh, okay, you had two. Yeah, but only one of them had a weapon, so. Yeah. I can use the both fines on the yeah. one weapon? Well, it's still just one bonus action, so you still would only yeah, get but... one attack. Yeah, but it means I can use a D10 instead of a D8. Ah, yes, you can, yes, because they're both holding the weapon, yes. Yeah, boys! That's my D10s. Ah! (laughs) I guess I'll use that. Um, uh, That is a whopping four points of damage. Hey, anything's better than nothing. (laughs) Four points of damage, lovely. (laughs) I am so nervous, I can't make sense of it. Four is better than nothing. Four is better than nothing. Take what you can. It is now initiating count 20. Shavalak oh, initiates a lair action. He uh, rips the fabric of space, causing Bobbit and Sir Lucian to exist in the same spot. Oh, ew, 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 <laughs> no, no touching. <laughs> Bobbit's Bobbit. not going to prison. 
Bobbit, you take 19 points of force damage, and Sir Ow. Lucian takes 38. Ouch. You for that and joke. You need to make. Mm. Uh, well, you're already prone, so I'm just going to roll for Sir yeah. Lucian. Uh, standing at feet down and here. he fails. Sir Lucian is knocked prone. <laughs> he also takes 39 yeah, points yeah. of damage, bringing him down to. Oof, okay. Uh, 82. Alright. Oh, cool. Well, he's still doing better than me. Good for him. <laughs> it is Shavalak's turn, and at the start of his turn, I'd like Bulb to roll a d10, please. Uh, come on, roll a bit better this time. Come on, come on. Z uh, 10. 10. The creature can act and move normally. Ah, I don't well, believe you. This is going Look up to confusion. This is I know, I know, I know, I know. So Shavalak <laughs> uses... Shavalak uses his bonus action to... Takes oh yeah, takes damage, damage first. Go, how much? Fire damage. 15 points of fire damage. 15, yep. This is good damage. So that oh. is... He teleports out into the void just behind Zinhorn. And then he inhales and oh. unleashes uh, his yeah. solar flare no. breath. And I need and everyone to make a DC oh. 23 deck save and Bobbit, oh, you roll with disadvantage. Yeah, Bobbit already so fucking fails, man. Yeah, I thought as well, I can't. Also, I just realised I know where this song comes from and I love this, thank you. Will you allow a nat 20 to succeed? Yes, I will. If you can't oh, no, roll to beat it, I'll roll. I will allow a nat oh, 20 to beat it. I got disadvantage, so I physically can't. So, no. so you can roll to the, 20s, it's happened already if, tonight. If the bard lives, please get him to start healings. I got a yep. 20, 28. 28? Okay, Zinborn survives. I already have a, a resistance. Okay. So. Bobbit and Zinhorn. Bobbit, you've got your resistance, this is why. So yeah, Bobbit yeah. and Zinhorn, you take 21 points of fire damage. I take none because I'm fire oh, elemental. Yeah, you're immune. Oh, bloody luck. Everyone else takes 42. Oh. And uh, then... Need a thing real quick. Uh, what is 116 take away 42? That's... 50... Wait, 4. Yeah. 116 yeah. take away 42. Yeah. Uh, 16. Then, Bobbit and Zinhorn, you each take 21 points of radiant damage and everyone else takes 42. So there's 84 damage for everyone who failed. Uh, so Lucian had exactly 82 hit points left. So, so Lucian goes down. No. And he has disadvantage on death saves. Oh god! Oh, oh yeah, no, it's right. Yes, normal. Yeah. yeah, no. yeah I'm on. Oh well. That's a oh. pass for his first. Jared the paladin goes down screaming. God damn! Oh. He's gone. So he's fully dead. Yeah, he's fully he's dead. dead. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. <sighs> However, the others are still up. And I'm yeah. still up on thirty-two. And then at the end of his turn, Shavalak is going to attempt a wisdom save to break out of the confusion. That is an 18. Does that pass? No. Okay, he is still confused. He's going to attempt a con save with disadvantage. 
That is 21. He rolled a 23 and a 21. So that is... Yeah, they both pass. pass. So that's yep. two passes on the intelligence one and one pass on the constitution. Yep. Were they with disadvantage? Ah, uh, yes. He gets, both plus, of those he gets plus for nine both on of his pass, so... For yeah, both of the diseases? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, no, that's... that's mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure, that's all. He's so not that's... going to use his last legendary resistance. He's going to keep that. Uh, so he's yeah. just going to let the dice yeah, lay where they are. No, that's fair. Uh... Then he is going to use his movement to fly away into the void. Is he close Wait. enough to get... Yes, to get an attack of opportunity against him. Oh, good. Um... Oh, that's a 16 plus 8 is 20, yeah. 24. 24, that hits him. Roll your damage. Uh, um, that, come on, roll good. Oh, that's a 6, a 5, and a 4 is a, a 11. 15. 15, plus lovely. Is 19. 19 points 19, of damage. 19, so lovely, damage. lovely. Okay, Bobbit, you are up. Make your death save. Okay. I'm not, no, I'm not knocked down. Oh, you're not? I'm just really, really badly hurt. Yeah, and you're okay, prone. Okay, yeah, so I will get up from being prone, so that's half my movement. I'm going to look over at... Uh, how, how far away is the uh, Bard Lady's turn? Uh, I she's the other one that mainly... She's a, there's Bulb, Bulb, and then her. As long as people are stacking healing spells, because this kind of... That turn kind of messed with all of my shticks, so... I'm just going to look over to going, Anyone with healing spells, get ready. And she's going to use Oathbinder's ability to cast Beacon of Hope. Oh! Which is a third level spell cast at for 30 feet. The spell bestows hope and vitality. Choose any number of creatures within 30 feet, which I believe is everybody. For the duration, each target has advantage on wisdom saving throws and death saving throws. Yeah. And regains the maximum number of hit points possible from any form of healing. Ooh, nice. Oh, I love you. Yeah. Ah. You see Bo just sort of stand it does that, it's like, Ew, cleric magic. <laughs> <laughs> At the end uh, of your turn... Yeah, at least everyone full of a god starts throwing goddamn healing spells. That was, yeah, that was good. At the end so of your... Just if I have any... Oh, if I had anything to do with any of my bonus actions. I have to drop out of my form to, in order to use my healing spells. Well, you don't uh, That's okay, to... you, you stay fire. <laughs> Uh, sorry, just just no. I don't like the way he said that. Uh, yeah, I'm not happy with that either. Cause it's too... mm. Oh, I still oh, have a bonus feet, action. Yeah. Oh, screw you. How okay. far away is he? Oh, before, no, before we go, before we go, how far away is he from us? He is uh, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 55, 60, can... 65, within 120 feet. You can use the measurement tool because it's accurate on this. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, not, I'll use he's not within. He's not within ninety feet, though, is he? One hundred and five. No, Actually, no, I can't. Away. Actually, no, it's screw it. Uh, no, uh, it wouldn't work anyway. Okay, I don't have anything to work with at the moment, so this is probably going to be the part where he horribly hurts. At us. the end of your turn, he's going to use all of his legendary actions to use his void cash ability. The dragon can magically reach into its treasure hoard and retrieve one item of rare or lower rarity. It can then what? use it as a bonus action. 
sticks his claws into the void and pulls out a wand of fireballs. Oh, oh, wait. It has seven charges. Mm-hmm. He's going to expend all of the charges he can possibly expend. Yeah. So six charges. Hey, Zinhorn, enjoy being the only one alive. Hit it, hit it, hit it. So he's going to uh, use all of them? Um, yep. So I'm guessing that's going to hit us, like yep. this main area. So cool. Quick question: Do you know, you know, um, what doesn't require a bonus action to use? Counter spell. Does it work on wands? Let me see. It's just, it technically I mean, it's still sure. a spell. It counts as a spell. Works on wands. Counter spell works on wands. As he fires the wand of fireballs, you see the flames just fizzle. Fuck. Okay, so I'm guessing I'm going to have to go the ability check to make sure... Yes, it is a ninth level spell, so you need to make a... uh, Let me just work that out, counter spell. Ten plus the spell's level, you need to make an intelligence check of ninth... Wait, no, you are a... uh, You are a warlock, you need to make a charisma check of nineteen. Oh my god. I'm using an inspiration point. Because mm-hmm. I can. And that's a nat 20. This is ah! in front of the group. The flames on the wand fizzle. Says no, damn it. And the dragon is left clutching the wand with one charge left in it and has no more legendary actions. Yeah. It is... says no. What else do you do, Bobbit? You're still prone. No, Bolt was no. That was that was no. Bolt was using um the reaction to do that. So oh, Bolt's yeah, not prone. That's right. Yeah, wasn't prone. yeah, that's right. Bolt wasn't prone. Bolt now Bolt's turn. Everybody, start healing for the love of God. Yeah, I'm going to use a cure wounds at sixth level on Sir Lucian. Yep. So how much does so that's and that seven does max, that does, seven yeah, eight? Seven eight. Just seven times eight. So yeah. six, six or seven. Cure wounds, wounds is plus your wisdom, isn't it? Yeah, plus wisdom, yeah. so that's plus six. So. Yeah. so 56 plus six, he gains uh, 62 60. health and is back on his feet. And then as a bonus action, I actually got to write off my six on the slot. Uh, and then at seventh level, I'm going to car... How is everyone looking? Bob, it's no, really hurt, isn't it, Bad. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Zinhorn, if he fucking loses his health, is gonna turn back into Zinhorn. Uh, I'm really hurt, but if I go down, my stuff still affects him. I'm gonna cast Healing Word at 7th level on Bobbit. Yay! So that's 7d4s plus 6. So 28. 28. 32. 32? Well, that would really double. Oh, was that? Sorry, 34. 28 plus 6, was it? Yeah. Yeah. 34. Well, you literally uh, just doubled my HP, so thank you. Yeah, and that's... Move out of the group! <laughs> yeah, I'm going to... Stop, I used up what little movement I had to... Actually, yeah, I'm no, running 30 feet... Uh, down here. Yep. Uh, that's... Oh, yeah, yeah, down onto Ubtow's stomach. Yep. 
Yeah. Lovely. Okay. It is now Dragonbait's turn. He reaches over and touches Bobbit using his lay on hands, granting okay. Bobbit 50 HP and using his entire oh. stock. Oh, boy. Oh, I would have said save some for yourself, but I will still take the damage so I get up. 50. 50. 50. Jesus Christ. Okay. Wow, damn. What a difference a turn makes. It is Kristen's <laughs> turn, and she is going to cast Mass Cure Wounds. <laughs> oh, damn it. I moved out of it. God damn it. Yeah, granting everyone except Bowl 24 <laughs> hit points. I will, I will I'm damn near back to four, like, holy shit. McCain can't do anything, and nor can Sir Lucian, so they're going to hold their reactions to use ranged attacks on Shavalak if he gets closer. It is Zinhorn's turn. Okay, so Zinhorn is going to use the first of his two actions to dash 100 feet, which should get him in range of Shadalak. Yep. And then, please regenerate. Yes! Okay. Uh, it gets his um, bl- uh, blast wave back. So need a DC 17 dex save. Yep. That is an 18. Quick question. Yep. Mm. Because he's wild shape, doesn't it keep his mental stats, which would keep his safe? Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So your, your safe should be 19, shouldn't it? Yeah, I was well, just going off what the sheet says. Here. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it, it's just a set save that's not affected by the creature's stats, so. Okay, okay, okay. okay. And it's, not, it's normally 16, but because of all the extra work I've done with my elementals. No, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're good, you're good. Sorry, yep. carry on. Sorry, sorry. Yep. So you hit him. 32, so he saves so us uh, 16 points of fire damage. You see the, you see his glowing, angry eyes momentarily flicker as you hit him with your flames, and his wings twitch almost as if he's struggling to maintain himself. Oh. And then I'm going to launch an attack with my vine. Yep. And that is a, a 16 plus... 16 plus, what's my plus, plus 5 is 21, so no. Didn't hit him, yep. Alright. It is Shavalak's turn to use his lair action. He takes Zinhorn and moves him into the same spot as Bulb. Bulb Bulb and Zinhorn each take 14 points of bludgeoning damage. And need to make a DC 21 deck save. Is this to avoid going prone? Yes. Uh, Fire elemental's immune to prone. Okay, yep, so just bold, make Uh, a DC 21. 
Uh, I got close. I got 19. So the bulb is knocked prone. It is Shabalak's turn. Bulb, roll a d10. I'm not using you again, you stupid fucking guys. <laughs> no, fuck you. Five. Five. The creature doesn't move or take actions this turn. Are you fucking... And that is 11 points of fire damage from the burn. 11 points of fire damage. Want to know how much HP he had left? Please still have some left. Please still have some left. Uh, He had 21, so he goes down to 10. No! No! It's my fucking turn. If he didn't make the same, if he didn't make the same, He's Make going to spend so his last legendary... Re- Wait, he's going to first going to roll the con saves at disadvantage. So that's a 24. Uh, that passes. Can't do, any, can't do any actions or anything this turn. Yeah, though. but that's 24 for the confusion, and that's 20 yep. for the other disease. Um, yeah, he passed both, so he's no longer confused. Yeah. But he still has... He's still bleeding everywhere. Yeah, and also I'm pretty sure with confusion... Uh, I'm pretty sure Contagion, uh, let me see, just checking, uh, mm. oh yeah, at the end of his turn, so yeah, he doesn't get a turn. No, mm. no, his whole yeah. turn was literally yeah. just trying yeah. to not be sick anymore. It's Bobbin's turn. Oh no, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> no. Bobbin is going to use a bonus action to fast step 60 feet towards where Shavalak is. Yep. Like, literally, just looks at the group, nods, and then just disappear. Steps forward. Standing on the precipice of this dead god is going to go into her pack, pull out a scroll, and just sit there and go, You took my home. You took my family. You ruined my entire life and existence. And you even took my god from me. So you know what? Mm-hmm. Pulls out the scroll... Burns the uh, the scroll basically just burns with green energy in her hand. Holds out the finger and goes, "Anything you'd like to say, Bobbit, before we finish this? <laughs> this is for Keeper, you stupid jerk! Power word kill!" <laughs> green ray fires from Bobbit's finger hits Shavalak square between his eyes. Shavalak looks back at Bobbit. A look of utter shock on its face. How could it be bested by mere mortals? Then it opens its mouth and roars as collapsing star. When the void dragon is killed, it explodes in a swath of celestial destruction, affecting each creature and object within one mile of the dragon. Oh god! God. I need everyone to make a deck save first. Well, DC 21 deck save. Uh, I can pass yeah. that if I get a 19. Wait, what, was, what, what, what was the DC? 21. 21. Oh my god, 22. I got a 15 plus 9, so that's 24. You got any inspiration left? Smoke them 13. Okay, oh. so Bulb, you take 73 points of bludgeoning damage. Oh no. Bobbit and Zinhorn, you take 46 each. Bludgeoning, so that's half, so 46, uh, 23. Kristen, the bard, is instantly disintegrated, screaming that's as her body's deatomized. 
Next, I need everyone to please make a DC 21 con save. I'm already down. You're already down? Uh, this is gonna kill you. Right. Oh no! I'll just survive this. This isn't fair! Hold on, hold on. Uh, so 72 damage, was that what you said? Yep, 73. Okay, so 73. So I'm currently at negative 55. Oh no, oh, yeah. No. You are instantly killed. Like, you don't even get to make no. a death save. No, it's only if it goes part all the way past his. Is like the negative version Wait. of his max health, isn't it? No, it's it's more than half his max health. What's your max health? 126, but wasn't it? Yeah, so 73 damage is instantly going to kill you. Instantly going to disintegrate. No. I, had, I had 18 health. 18. Take oh, God, I just killed everybody. 73 or 74? 73. 73. 73. 73. Oh, so you, yeah. uh, negative 55, so I'm still okay. Yeah, you're still okay. This damage oh. knocks me under 126. Yeah. Oh, okay, God, so I need everyone to make a DC 21 con save, please. I need, I I need to know, before this goes to shit, was this going to happen either way? This happens when the Void Dragon is killed. Okay, cool. As long as that just... I can... can I'm, using my last, I'm using my last inspiration point. Oh, that's right. Do I have inspiration? Oh, oh, I do. Inspiration. <laughs> I've ruined everybody's life. Uh, come save. Oh, no, you ended their lives. 18 so plus. Yeah, well, that's ruining their lives. 53. Oh, thank goodness for inspiration. Okay, and I'm Bobbit. Glad I have resist I'm glad I have resistance still, because that was a... That's a 16. This is going to suck. Okay. Bob, you take 43 points of... Cold damage. I'm not dead. Holy shit. Negative 92. Yeah. He's not dead. But you also right. got two failed death saves now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so Lucian, yeah sure. so Lucian goes down, making and passing his first death save. McCain the fighter is uh, absolutely obliterated. Yeah, And Dragon Bait goes down, making his first death save. I'm so sorry, everybody. And then the final one. I need a DC. What damage, what damage oh, yeah. At, so, heart, so if you passed, you take 22 points of cold damage. I still take 22 because resistance. I've killed yeah. everyone. I'm going to be like the sole survivor of this whole fucking thing. Excuse me, I'm still in elemental form. Well, yeah. half your fucking life. <laughs> I literally just killed everyone else because Bomb's going to die from this. <laughs> Lucian's gonna die from oh, this. Lucian die. might not. Oh, yeah, actually, it's too further south anyway. Yeah, yeah. Bulb's yeah. already dead. I, I killed Bulb again. And the final save is a DC 21 wisdom save, please. Oh, fuck uh, you. Two of those saves I was really good at. That's a tw 17 plus 12, so... 29. 29. What was, what was the DC? 21. I got 21 exactly. 21. It does it, but my moment of triumph, and now it's like, oh, wait. So Bold takes killed. 64 points of psychic damage and is swept <laughs> oh, away on the solar wind, instantly deatomized and tossed right. to the astral void. Oh, no. I will now read the rest of the collapsing star. Uh, Additionally, a creature that is reduced to zero HP or killed by this spell 
is deatomized by the solar wind, and their soul is shredded instantly. No! So well, Lucian is still up. And Dragon Bait is still up. Bol uh, Bobbit and Bobbit and Zinhorn, you take 32 points of psychic damage. I just killed my best friend. I might as well be dead. <laughs> Perhaps oh, this was his fey destiny. No, that's not fucking fair. I, did everything. I went through so much to get him back the last time he died, and now I can't even do anything. I never ruled a civilization. Who's still alive? Don't yeah. worry, I've got a way you can still do it. So, Zinhorn's just still in elemental form. Bobbit is shattered. And then. Whoosh! He's shattered. The solar wind engulfs you all, filling your vision and engulfing your senses. In pure white light. Everyone that healed me is either dying or dead. Mm -hmm. So, oh god. I killed Bulb. That's not fair, I can't even bring him back now. Zinon's going to instantly drop out of form once everything seems safe and do a... Uh, where is it? Where's my spell? Where's my spell? Masculine uh, wounds. Yep. And uh, I apologise. We are going long, but there is still a little bit more. Bobbit, Bobbit's just out of out of all forms. Just well, I'd say hands and knees, but let's be realistic. It's more like hand and tail, and it's just Shavolax uh, body. healing for the. Yep. Shavolax body. Dissolves in the solar wind, exploding like a star. Instantly catapulted back into the Shade Walk, the Blight Spire and the Labyrinth dissolve into nothing beneath you as you are thrust down out of the sky, landing 100 feet from the edge of the conduit. With the maze and the spire both gone, the Shade Walk is nothing more than a barren landscape with but a few structures remaining. The mountains in the distance are beginning to fade into mist, signalling that this portion of the plain is collapsing. A column of blue-white radiance shines like a beacon to the conduit. Now only a hundred feet away, you hear Artis howling in pain and anguish, a dreadful sound that echoes throughout the desolate terrain. This is when Zinhorn takes his time to quickly cast his spell, and then you rush towards the conduit. You see Artis blasting the fires of the conduit with the Ring of Winter, creating an expanding layer of frost over the ground around him. His face is contorted into a mask of pain and rage, his eyes emanating a bright blue-white glow, similar to the energy from the ring. Ice statues of Lythene and Varga and Shadow stand a few feet away. Messica, further away, yells, Artis, please stop! Don't make me do this! 
dragon bait, his blade instantly in hand, dashes forwards towards his friend. What do you do? Artis has lost control of the Ring of Winter. Shavalak, in Shavalak's absence, the entity within the ring has taken control and is spurring Artis to throw all of its power towards the conduit. When the plane collapses in this state, it will bring a plague of icy death into the material plane. Alessander, because Bobbitt's basically catatonic at this point, raises a hand and casts um, Remove Curse on the Ring of Winter, thus ending its, his attunement to it. Yep. Good. You step forwards behind Dragon Bait, raising your staff and casting Remove Curse. The ring shakes, vibrates, begins to glow white hot the attunement is severed but only momentarily as within seconds Artis screams again holds the ring aloft and it once again begins to vibrate ready to unleash its energy but this momentary distraction is all that was needed a strong odour of wild roses and fresh-baked ham overpowers the bitter breeze as dragon bait charges towards the conduit. At the same time, a burst of radiant energy explodes around Messica's body. The Cholton warrior rushing forwards towards the centre of the expanding frost from the other direction, taking advantage of of this momentary lapse in Artis's control of the ring. Only seconds remain before what is sure to be another cataclysm once the plane collapses around you. As Dragon Bait and Messica reach Artis, the ring vibrates, jerks Artis's body back and summons a globe of icy shards around him. The icy shards shoot into the air and begin to rain down upon everyone present. And here is where we determine the ending. I'm going to tally up the number of destiny points you have accrued over this last arc. In order to get the best possible ending, you require 10. For restoring the Daijobi Senga and removing the Lich's influence, you gain 2 points. For restoring Bakumora and helping to rebuild it, you gain 2 points. For reaching the Lost City of Moratal during the Shadow Demon Chase, Without any party members falling behind, you gain two points. Like this is the end of the first Harry Potter. Yeah, I know, I know. For keeping the seal in Quomex's tomb intact before defeating Ahutan, you gain one point. You're up to seven. Mm-hmm. For attempting to save Artus from being pulled into the Shadow Portal. Upon arrival in the Shadowfell, you gain one point. You're brought mm. up to eight. Mm. For helping to carry Artis to Lythene's hideout upon arriving in the Shade Walk, you gain one point. 
bringing you to nine. <gasps> For finding and rescuing the remaining members of Lythene's party, you gain one point, bringing no. you to ten. No! Exactly I ten. Have, I still don't feel like we got the best ending, but I'll go along with it this game. Don't worry, I'm... We're not done yet. It's just, it's just, just, yeah, I know, I know, but holy shit, we just Gryffindored the shit out of the story. <laughs> well, these are, the idea is that your actions have increased and strengthened the link between Messica and Lord Rayburton. Hooray, okay. Allowing the following to happen. Ten points. The very best outcome. As the ring summons the globe of icy shards, Messica rushes forwards, her body glowing gold as her barret aura flows around her, taking the form of a well-built human male wearing long white robes and a with a grand golden beard. Messica and Ray Burton rush forwards, standing in front of Dragonbait and the rest of you as the icy shards rain down upon them. Lord Ray Burton stepping forwards, absorbing all of them into his golden form. He and Messica's aura protecting her and everyone else from the cloud of shards. After the ice is gone, Messica and Ray Burton step forwards towards Artis, whose eyes are rolling back in his head, his mouth open, screaming in pain as he clutches the ring as its energy begins to billow out from it, summoning yet more shards of ice beyond him. With tears in her eyes, Messica steps forwards and tearfully plunges her sword into Artis's chest. The light in Artis's eyes fades as they stare into Messica's, into Lord Rayburton's. And then, finally, into Alessander's. He opens his mouth and breathes his last words. If only you had believed in me, perhaps I could have fought it. His body turns to dust as he collapses the ring of winter falling from his hand and vanishing in a cloud of frosty vapour. Lord Rayburton's golden aura engulfs the entire area, bathing it in warmth. And then suddenly, you all find yourselves in the centre of the city of Mesro. It's shining streets filled with the bustle of people. Messica, Dragonbait, Lythene, Shadow, Varga, 
all of them are here, along with all of the residents of the Shade Walk. No longer Shadowkin. They've all been restored to their former selves. As the sun of the material plane, the clouds and skies of Cholt look down upon Mesro, restored to its former state. Do any of you have any reactions? Finhorn just looks over at Bobbit. Uh, Alessandra's currently sitting there, so just looking towards Messica and Lord Reburn. Bobbit is... Now, Bobbit's gone back to the back of her head. Um, guys, I'm really sorry, but I've got to go get food for me and Kitty. Yep, sure. No, I'm just be sure to listen sorry. later for the epilogues. I definitely will, don't worry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Thank you for the campaign. Fuck you, Bobbit. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs> and so... Standing next to you... You notice Messica looking ahead, her gaze upon the marble stairs that lead up to the entrance to the Temple of Mesro. There, you see Bulb's druids... They glance around, marvelling at the restored city, and then slowly they part, allowing someone behind them room to climb down, to descend the stairs, and to approach you there, in the plaza in front of Ubtow's temple. Lord Dalmas Rayburton, the most senior among Uptow's chosen barre, and Alessandra's father. His face is beaming with a smile as he looks around and then breathes deep, <sighs> inhaling the air of the material plane. We are back, he says. You have guided us back to our home. And with Shavalak gone, with the heart of the wild, once again allowing the essence of Uptow to flow through the jungle, Uptow will return to us. Then, the smile on his face, turns to a frown, a scowl moves across his weathered face as he takes in the sight of Alessandra in front of him, a U.R.T. Mallison, half woman, half snake, he shakes his head and he says, I did not wish for it to come to this. Know that in my ignorance I failed you. Bobbit. Yeah, at this point I'll send her as much as she'd like to talk to her father shifts and you just see tears rolling through her eyes. It's like yeah, failed 
No, Bob, Bob is the one that... Uh, he holds out yeah. his hands, shaking his head, and he says, Please, we do not have much time before the safeguards I placed on the city come into effect, and we must part ways. Please, my daughters, approach me. Allow me to gaze upon you. Safeguards? My daughters? What do you do, Bobbit? We'll we'll go and go closer, I suppose. We'll still be questioning what he meant by safeguards, but we'll get to that, I suppose. As you approach, Lord Rayburton looks into your face, gazes into your eyes. He hangs his head, shakes it, and as the people of Mesro bustle around you, talking, the din of their voices turning into a soothing hum around you, Lord Rayburton says, Bobbit, you are not a piece of Rasmussi. But all, all this time, that's all anyone's ever said about me. He says, know this. Rasnasi never said why. He gave up on Abtau and fell into the influence of Shavalak. You remember your conversation with Rasnasi where he states that Abtau did not answer his prayers, and so he turned to another. What, what did Rasnasi pray for? Lord Rayburton looks at you. His eyes sink. Sadness floods his face. And he says, Alessander, I never did tell you how your mother died. Oh. I'm a lot of emotions right now. Do you you say or do anything, Alessander? Just again, just... What happened? What What does this have to do with Robert, with Rasnus C? He says, Your mother became afflicted with a terrible jungle fever. Ordinarily, one as stout as her would fight it off, but she was weak at the time. She was in the last trimester of her pregnancy with my second daughter. No. She perished, and so did the unborn child. In the depths of my despair, I turned to my closest friend and advisor, Russ Nassi. There must be some way, I told him, some way if if not to restore my wife, to allow this unborn child to live. He prayed to Abtau, but Abtau would do nothing. Life could not be restored to one who was never born. 
into this world. And so Rasnasi turned to the influence of another, one who promised that he would find a way to restore this unborn soul to a new body if only Rasnasi would do his bidding. I believe he placed you in the only item of magic he had on hand, his hat, that which had granted him for decades with intelligence and insight. And once those gifts were taken away, he fell fully to the dark side. The last shred of his humanity was stripped away and became nothing more than a mindless servant of Shavalak. I'm actually shaking right now. Holy shit. You see a lone tear roll down Lord Rayburton's face. Wait. So that would make Bobbit and no, that like uh, Alessandra and Bobbit are sisters. Oh, tear oh, yeah, rolls. No, <laughs> yep. Yeah. What? Oh, I, I, yeah. Just realization, just shock, or just so many emotions, no words. You just stare silently back at him. No words need to be said. You're reunited at last. A tear rolls down his cheek, and then suddenly. Bobbit, Alessander, the extremities of your body begin to tingle and then burn with pain. Wait, ah, uh, what? What are these safeguards? Lord Rayburton hangs his head. When I banished Rasnasi from this city and then transported it to another plane to weather the spell plague. I placed a permanent enchantment upon this land. Rasnasi cannot stand here. If he persists for too long, the magic will strip his soul away. And Bobbit, you are not Rasnasi, but in order for him to sustain your life, you still carry the taint his essence within your soul. One percent of your being, but an essential part nonetheless. Another tear rolls down his face. There has to be something we can do, but Alessandra can't just not be allowed back here anymore. Everything we did was to get her home. Lord we Rayburton. We so many friends together here. I, Bob's gone forever. And I can't even get her home now. Lord Rayburton hangs his head. There is silence for a few moments. And then he looks up. His face twisted. In a look of uncertainty. He says. With Shavalak gone. 
I feel Uptal returning to the forest. And, as his first act working through me, Uptal has decided to grant a wish. He sniffles, another tear rolling down his face as he continues. You've been granted an ultimatum. Uptal will strip Bobbit from this vessel and take her soul into the afterlife. A soul that was never born, that was never meant to be born. Lived its life and may pass freely into the realms beyond. Then, Alessander can remain here, the memories of Bobbit still strong in her mind. Or, Abtal may rend your vessel in two, separating Bobbit and Alessander. Bobbit will be free to leave the city, but Alessander must stay. You will have your own separate bodies, free to live your own lives, but you will never see each other again. That is, if you survive the Sundering. Look over, everyone looks over at Bobbit and Alessander, sees their face screw up trying to decide which of these would serve them best either way they will be separated Bobbit scrubbed from existence or separate for the rest of their lives with no guarantee that either of them will survive do you have any thoughts Bobbit Alessander Zinhorn. It's a hard choice either way. But uh, either way, Alessandra gets her family. There is silence, and then suddenly, oh. yep, yes. So, so Alessandra goes to say something, and for the first time ever, Bobbit actually completely cuts her off and goes, everything Bobbit did was to get Alessandra home. And yeah, then... But, but no, yep. but, but looks down at, like, you know, the... 30-something-year-old body, the snake tail, everything else, like, we've done so much to this body that she shouldn't have, even if, even if I die, she still has to spend the rest of her life like this, it's, if it means not seeing her again, um, families do dumb things for each other, don't they? That's what family does. And suddenly, Bobbit's face looks ahead with grim determination. She knows what choice she will make. And thus, 
thanks to the party's triumph, the essence of Uptow once again returned to Cholt. With the heart of the wild restored to its former state, the Obanashi clan presided over the jungle's rebirth as the Daijobi Senga once more became a conduit for Uptow's breath of life, infusing the wilderness with the life-giving energy of the Feywild. The gnarled, sickly trees of the jungle withered away and were swallowed by the earth, replaced with new, strong specimens. Greenery flooded the wetlands and wastes that during the spell plague had been wiped clean of life. The undead, summoned by Rasna Sea, that still wandered the jungle, stopped and crumbled to dust as the primordial's children, the spirits of the jungle, once again took their places among the trees, rivers, reeds. The dinosaurs, having been driven to primal savagery in Uptow's absence, calmed once more and lived in harmony with the people. The jungles of Cholt were very much alive, bursting with divine magic, and nobody who witnessed the miracle could deny that Uptow had finally returned. With his plans for Volo's Guide to Spirits, having ground to a halt due to the party's newfound fame, leaving him with Lyft the Poltergeist as his only research subject, Volo Thamp Gadam busied himself with a new project, Volo's Guide to the Death Curse. Accompanied by his loyal editor, Mickey McGrood, he travelled to Cholt to conduct research, disappearing from the public eye for 11 months. When he finally returned to Waterdeep, Volo proudly presented his completed account of the Death Curse, based largely on a series of interviews with Sir Lucian. Although Volo's work would quickly become one of the best-selling tomes across Faerun, historians would criticise it for decades to come based on its seeming exclusive focus on the heroic exploits of Sir Lucian and several strange inaccuracies such as the repeated mentions of a banana curse. Although his career as an adventurer was cut short, Mickey McGrood lived a fulfilling and profitable life as Volo's dear friend and editor. Due to his ability to rein in some of Volo's more outlandish ideas, and tied over publishers when his work missed its deadline again and again, the famed chronicler eventually credited him as a co-author in Volo's Guide to Fungi. When Mickey McGrood eventually returned to the Myconid people in the Underdark, he brought with him hundreds of tales of the wonders of the surface world and enough money and shared royalties to live out the rest of his years in luxury. In the twilight years of his life, he even published a memoir entitled The Time I Hold Person to Disgraced Prince, which carved out a small but dedicated following. Rishal the Dragonborn, proprietor of the Bookworm's Treasure, passed away within a year of the party's final battle the grand old age of 78. Having spent his life as a champion of knowledge and the written word, the residents and business owners of Trollskull Alley petitioned the open lord to have Rachal's bookstore converted into a library. And so, Rachal's repository of knowledge opened its doors to the people of the North Ward, eventually introducing an entire generation of impoverished water Davians to the wonders of reading. One day, five years after the library had opened, a cache of strange tomes written in an unknown language was anonymously donated to its collection, accompanied by a note reading, For an old friend, 
be. The herbalist, Fala Lalafir, continued to honour her deal with the Emerald Enclave, even without Bolbi Saw as her sponsor. The goods provided to her by the Enclave were of such high quality that eventually she cut ties with all suppliers other, the, other than Malinor Falbranch and his druids. Eventually, interested in securing a steady supply as cheaply as possible, Fala asked to be initiated into the Emerald Enclave, and her store, Coraline's Crown, became officially associated with the faction. Fala continued to supply the people of North Waterdeep with all their herbal and alchemical needs, although she was strongly encouraged by her new business partners to never trade in awakened shrubs ever again, and her inventory was strictly limited to what the Emerald Enclave deemed appropriate. In the party's continued absence, Nim the Nimblewright and Lith the Poltergeist became the de facto proprietors of the tavern in Trollskull Alley. Every day, Nim happily opened the establishment, made sure it was clean and comfortable, and that the food was hot and hearty, while Lith poured drinks and entertained patrons with ethereal acrobatics and a childlike wit. Having finally found their purposes in life, the strange pair saved up their wages for three years and eventually purchased the tavern from the party, who agreed to a price far below market value. And so it was that the poltergeist bartender and the Nimblewright host and chef, once novelties to the patrons of Trollskull Alley, became beloved pillars of the community, continuing to welcome customers for decades to come. Finally free of his obligation to Dagolt Neverember, the Gold Dragon Oranax revealed himself to the Lords of Waterdeep, eager to serve the city that had unwittingly been his home. While each of the Hidden Lords briefly courted the Dragon's offer, interested in leveraging his abilities for their own ends, Oranax demanded that his loyalties be the people of Waterdeep first and foremost, and so Lairul Silverhand, Impressed that a dragon had remained hidden under Waterdeep's Dragon Ward for so long, installed Oranax as chief treasurer of the city, knowing that any funds placed into his bursary in the Vault of Dragons would be kept safe and accounted for under his impartial and watchful eye. Living up to her promise, occasionally Ava would arrive in Waterdeep to visit her old friend, always leaving a ceremonial treasure of the Aracocra to be kept in the Vault as part of Oranax's personal hoard. Thanks to the party's efforts, the 500,000 gold pieces embezzled by Dagolt Neverember were returned to Waterdeep's coffers. Although the Lords of Waterdeep ostensibly agreed that the funds would go towards improving the infrastructure of the city and the surrounding farmland, in secret the fortune was divided equally among them to be used for their own nefarious ends. Knowing that her fellow lords would act against the city's best interests, Lairul Silverhand secured a portion of the fortune by offering it as a gift to the Kingdom of Sconeland, a vassal of the Lord's Alliance. Using her position as a retainer of Sconeland, she later had the funds transferred back into her personal coffers, saving one-fifth of the fortune from the predations of the Hidden Lords. This proved to be just enough money to fortify the farmlands beyond Waterdeep's walls, making the coming winters much easier for the inhabitants of the city. The Beholder Crime Lord, Xanathar, as one of Waterdeep's hidden lords, managed to appropriate a large portion 
of Dagolt Neverember's funds for his own ends, funneling tens of thousands of gold pieces through his subordinates. Within months, the streets of Waterdeep became overrun by Xanathar Guild gangsters, each of them sporting top-of-the-line weapons and armour. After securing the bounty in the Vault of Dragons for himself, Manchun and the Zentarum found themselves rapidly losing ground in their gang war against the Xanathar Guild, unable to field new recruits fast enough to match the seemingly endless resources of the Beholder Crime Lord. Manchun eventually made the choice to scale back his operations in Waterdeep, ceding the street entirely to Zen the Zentarum's rivals. Maintaining only a token presence in Waterdeep, the Zentarum would refocus their efforts on operations further along the Sword Coast, hoping to make new gains elsewhere. As civilization spread once again through the jungles of Cholt, the Grungs of Dungrunglung found themselves existing right between the frontiers of two nations, the reborn Tabaxi Empire and the Mercantile Confederation of Port Nianzaru. Thankfully, with the party having freed them from the tyranny of Nangnang, the Grungs welcomed their neighbours and presented gifts to both nations, fostering the spirit of cooperation. With Rourke as their chieftain, the Grungs would maintain their independence, fiercely defending the borders of their swamp and allowing only pre-selected ambassadors to enter their village. But they would become a valued trade partner to each of Cholt's fledgling nations, offering swamp-grown delicacies and bottles of their own venom in exchange for weapons, medicine, and protection. As the city they called home flourished around them, its streets once again bustling with activity, the Aracocra of Mesro rejoiced they were no longer alone. Under Ava's supervision, the Great Wise Owl welcomed the people of Mesro back to their home, holding a great festival in their honour. In return, the Barre of Mesro gifted the portion of the city that had once been the Royal Avery to the Aracocra, declaring it an enclave of the followers of the Great Mudmore. And so Ava's tribe became the first new additions to the reborn Tabaxi Empire, over time becoming a common sight within the city of Mesro as scouts, artisans, and clergy. Although worship of the Great Mudmore would, for the most part, remain an exclusive practice of the Aracocra, people of Mesro quickly accepted the bird folk and their god as fellow children of Ubtau. The terror folk of Firefinger, befitting their evil natures, refused to cooperate with the newly established nations of Cholt. They would continue to plague civilised lands for decades to come as bandits and marauders, until finally, a century later, when civilization would encroach upon Firefinger itself, driving the terror folk away to new frontiers in the far south. As new settlements began to appear throughout Cholt, and the need for weapons and tools grew, the Flameheart Kobolds rose to meet that need. Before long, the network of mines that crisscrossed the peaks of flame were in full operation again, and the anvils and forges of Hrakhamar were manned once more, this time by industrious kobolds. Making use of the trade deals brokered for them by Bolbysaur and the guidance he left behind, the Flameheart kobolds expanded their enterprise across Cholt, and, a scant decade later, had become the continent's largest provider of metallurgical wares. 
As the goods created at the forges filled the marketplaces of Cholt, some kobolds turned their hands towards more active professions. The resulting mercenary company, the Flamehearts, would take part in several daring conquests across Cholt and beyond. As their coffers bulged with profit and non-kobolds were brought to the peaks of flame to supplement the ever-expanding industry, the kobolds soon made their mark on Cholt as a nation of builders and tinkerers, continuing the legacy of the albino dwarves, at least for the immediate future. Here's the big one, the one that Zinhorn's been waiting for. As stability returned to the jungles of Cholt, Port Nianzaru, once the last remaining sanctuary in a land of danger and ruin, quickly became the biggest centre for trade and commerce on the continent, with its harbour serving both as a gateway to lands across the sea and a nexus of trade among Cholt's newly restored peoples, the city's merchant princes were able to provide their people with any kind of luxury or necessity they required, and eventually, due to its size and splendour, Port Nianzaru would become known as the Waterdeep of Cholt. Unfortunately, this period of prosperity would not last forever. Almost exactly ten years after the party's return from the Shadowfell, Frost giant longships were once again spotted riding the waves of the Bay of Cholt, bribing Aramag the Turtle Dragon with boatloads of treasure plundered from their enemies in the far north. Jarl Wolfric Stormblade made good on his promise. As hundreds of frost giants charged through the streets of Port Nianzaru, laying all to waste in their wake, it was only thanks to the years of stringent preparation and instruction by the Emerald Enclave along with aid from other tribes of the Cholton lands, each pledging many warriors, that the invaders were eventually routed and driven away once and for all. In the aftermath, Port Nianzaru remained standing, but with more than half of the city reduced to rubble, and countless citizens killed or captured into slavery, including Wakanga and the other merchant princes who bravely perished in its defence. With no official government remaining, Zinhorn Aloro and the Emerald Enclave took it upon themselves to rebuild the city and aid its surviving populace as best they could. While Port Nianzaru would continue to exist, it would for centuries remain only a fraction of its former size, with its only notable feature being the yearly dinosaur races. <laughs> Instrumental to the defence of Port Nianzaru, the Cholton chapter of the Emerald Enclave and the Druids who numbered among its ranks embraced their new role as servants and teachers of Ubtau, guiding the people of Cholt into a new era living in harmony with the jungle. In the decades and centuries following the Frost Giant invasion, the Archdruid Zinhorn Aloro, known to the people as a champion of all the jungle's animals, would have his name immortalised in Cholton myth in stories of bravely defending the people with an army of awakened beasts beside him. Although Bolbi saw the Archdruid of Plants had been the one who had made the major contribution to this aspect of the Enclave's mission, due to his reclusive nature and perhaps other preordained forces at play, his name would become little more than a footnote in the chapter's annals and the tradition of the Cholton Enclave using awakened animals to impart the wisdom of nature 
was remembered by most as an idea which, strung, which sprung from the mind of Zinhorn, not Bulb. With the black opal crown in her grasp and Rasnasi's machinations neatly swept away, the Yuan-T queen, Fentharza, established her claim over the city of Omu, declaring it the capital of her empire. Her Yuan-T subjects, devoted to honouring Dendar the Night Serpent, put themselves to work restoring Omu to its former state of greatness, ensuring it would once again become the Forbidden City, a hive of decadence and villainy. Within a decade, the city of Omu would grow large enough to rival Mesro and Port Neandru with its restored grandeur. Thousands of Yuan-Ti and their slaves captured from the surrounding jungle, living within its walls. For 50 years, this hive of evil would fester in the jungles to the south, until finally, the deal the party brokered with Fentharza expired. A scourge of Yuan-Ti, thousands strong, would surge across Cholt's south, laying waste to entire settlements and enslaving their populations. Within months, Fentharza's forces would carve an empire of terror across the southern portion of Cholt, reaching as far as Frakhamar, where the Flameheart Kobolds would fight valiantly, but ultimately fruitlessly, against the superior numbers of the Yuan-Ti. Each night, hundreds of captives would be sacrificed to Dendar the Night Serpent in macabre rituals, and the advance of the URT would only be halted by the might of the Tabaxi Empire. A century later, Cholt remains neatly divided into two, the Tabaxi Empire to the north and Fentharza's conquests to the south. And although the two entities will remain at war for ages to come, neither will ultimately gain an advantage over the other. For better or for worse, civilization has returned to Cholt, and once again, struggles of history play out in Uptow's domain. Thoughts? I have left a deep scar on far too many lives. Zinhorn? Zinhorn just knowing the contribution that Bulb would have made would have created in the sanctuary with all the awakened animals a shrine to the dedication of Bulbasaur. To a great hero of the Emerald Enclave. And would have taken a branch from the great tree that Bulb created and made a brother in Bakamora of the same tree. To link. So the two enclaves could be forever connected. With the tree dedicated to Bulbasaur in Port Nianzaru, and the tree dedicated to the all the other um, 
the elves of Bakamora being connected as one druid family. Very heartwarming. Bobbits. Well, I do have something for Alessandra first, but I'm going to have to add with a number of Bobbits stuff because, wow, this... Yikes. <laughs> but as far as Alessandra's concerned, with both Alessandra and her own life restored, Alessandra sets herself upon basically feverishly learning as much about magic as she can, pretty much taking up where her training had left off, even without... Uh, it's not the matter, since with her time she spent with the party, she'd grown leaps and bounds, and in no time at all, would have set herself up very nicely, especially without the UNT influence to, well, let's just say she had a hand on certain magic she probably wasn't supposed to. As far as branching Mesra back outside of, like, the outside world, using her ties with merchant princes, they were wiped out, it seems. Whoops. The certain druidic guild that now runs Port Nianzaru, and of course, the uh, her position, her usually forgotten position as the uh, retainer to Sconeland, although she quietly would have changed at some point to Mesro as well, just to help her out. It would have been very easy to have uh, ever as sort of a foreign diplomat, at least until she finally took her father's place on the throne of Mesro. She did her best to keep in touch with the rest of the party, even though she seldom left Mesro after the events, and well, to be fair, scars from her adventures, them how she tried to atone for her decisions, especially after hearing about the loss of Port Nian or the destruction of Port Nianzaru and everything involving the UNTs. Those scars never truly faded. However, as diligent as she was to her duties, she did have an odd habit that she picked up of taking sabbaticals at random points. She wouldn't tell anyone where she was going or who she was seeing, but she'd always return back with a warm smile on her face as if she'd been visiting an old friend. Now, we can move to the other side of the coin. <laughs> we move the clock forward to just a few weeks after the assault of Shavrilak. Actually, Bold would have had a memorial, well, memorial for Bold by then, where the Druidic Guild is visited, receives an odd letter from an autumn messenger. A very large, well-built, but incredibly pale man, mostly covered in a large, oddly familiar-looking coat, and arrives with a uh, box attached, now addressed, or a box and a letter addressed to the former Knights of Sconeland. Do not open until all remaining members are present. For some reason, at the bottom it says, yes, that includes you too, Alessandra. The letter reads out as such. Hello, all my wonderful friends. You didn't really think you'd gotten rid of me that easily, did you? Feel free to ignore the messenger. He may not be as... iconic as the original model, but he has his ways of getting back to me. The 
as a pale man simply waves and as he disappears into an odd portal that appeared next to him, you notice a small tattoo on the side of his neck simply reading Keeper MK3. Um, where to begin? By my guess, it should only have been a few weeks since our little trip to the Shadowfell. Although, in honesty, it's been longer for yours truly. But if you've gotten this letter, it means not only was I not destroyed completely and utterly by the Sundering, very nice of Uptown, thanks a lot, but it also means my latest experiment has finally paid off and, well, I should be more actively back in your lives soon enough, I hope. But, eh, there's a lot to explain, though. See, after myself and Ali were separated, I decided to take some time to... I couldn't exactly go home, as it were. So I decided to take some time to try to look back on everything that had happened and try to heal as best I could. Problem is, I may have taken a little longer than I thought I would have needed originally. By the time I you know, you keep telling yourself one more day and you should be right to go, and before you know it, it's been 50, 60 years. Look, it was a while ago now, so I get that some of you are probably mad. I did study up a little bit on my history, and I apologize for not intervening on, well, everything that's happened in Schultz since then. I'm only hoping you can forgive me for not showing up after everything that happened with Bold. I I couldn't come back to Schultz. I I lost too much there. Banished from my own home, finally reuniting with my family only to be told never to see them again. Losing probably the first person that actively tried to be my friend after our adventures began. But, if you're wondering how exactly I'm writing you a letter from seemingly decades, if not long, or it's actually been a bit longer now since then, I've been working since then to try and come back. Well, do you remember that odd, well, elf and her dragon friend? I got a little bit curious on one of my better days and decided to try and... Well, you know my habits for re-engineering certain things, so... After learning that time travel was possible, I set myself on trying to learn what I could about it, and, you know, enough time, surprising aptitude for playing our magic, and a little can-do attitude, also a lot of frogs. I'm currently writing this with Blinky on one side and Sir Hoppington, the... 500? Hello, my so baby. Kind of Hello, my honey. No, 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 don't, don't, don't start singing. I'm, oh, great. Now I've written that down. Oh, well, it's in there now forever. <laughs> Never mind. I finally figured out, crude as it was, how to not only hop through different planes of existence, but time itself. Again, you're probably mad thinking, why didn't I turn up? And yes, 
bulb hit hard, but I actually did have a run-in after I did. I may have tried to go back to save Paul. I was still hurting at the time when I finally figured it out, and instead of a portal to the astral plane to where that day happened, I was then instead visited by the lovely duo who promptly, well, the magical equivalent of somewhere between the riot act and an ass-whooping, but never mind. It's as powerful as this is, and as powerful as I am, fate is not something that can be altered, tragically. So, I'd hope that maybe with Alessander and Mesro, maybe the giants and the Yuanti could have been tamed, or at least de-escalated, but no such luck, unfortunately. However, I am doing as well as I can be. I had enough time to heal, always than one, actually. Turns out that lovely chai still had that, uh, all of my stuff that Ellie and I collected over our adventure, including that fun little chalice. That turns out we had a wish spell in my back pocket this entire time. Who knew, huh? Oh, yes. I may, again, after being told severely on the rules of messing with fate and time travel, yada, 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 I decided instead to try and get rid of some of my more nagging issues I collected over my adventures. So, I'm writing this to say that I'm completely cured of lycanthropy, and I, well, I at least got rid of the legs off. Well, I got my legs back. You know how hard it is to teach yourself to walk after nearly a century of, of only having a snake tail? Not pleasant, but I decided to stay as a Yuan-Ti. I figured that at least would be some penance to everything that's happened, and, well, in some odd way, to thank Russ Nassi for not for bringing me back, I think I owed him that much. Even if I occasionally still have to deal with the odd demon or two, still stupid enough to come looking for me for my soul. But, once I come back, things are going to be moving in full swing, since... I can't alter fate, however, there's no rule saying I can't return to a time where I wasn't present, or wasn't at least in the area. So if you see any odd reports that my store in Waterdeep has disappeared without a trace, simply know that I came back to collect a few things and keep moving. Since I know exactly where I've been for the last century or so, it's actually pretty easy to move around in our own timeline. And I'll, 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 I have left a few things. That's what's in the box, by the way. A few things to keep in contact so we can at least meet up. But I can't tell you everything that happens, obviously, and I can't help in the future. No, fate. Sorry. But as far as you... But as far as your presents go, I've left you each a lovely scroll of communication. They do work on other planes of existence, I've found. It took a long time to work that one out. And inside is also the only 
what I'm going to consider the only uh, lifetime discount cards I'm ever going to hand out. I decided to call them the uh, Friends of Bobber discount. Mm, I did leave some for Bob, but obviously that's kind of a moot point. Inside the box, there are, in fact, two scrolls tied to a card with everyone's names on it. Um, Ava, Bulb, and uh, Zinhorn all have 20% written down their thing. Lucian is slightly annoyed to see five written on his, not noticing the plus next to the five. Only five, he says. Plus! (laughs) His eyes bulge out of his head. There's literally a small drawing in the corner of his card saying... Sorry, kids, anyone under the age of 100 needs to pay extra, or anyone under adult age needs to pay extra. (laughs) And Alessandra very quickly hides her so no one sees the extra zero next to what she thought was a 10. (laughs) Now, the other scroll that's there, I, I know things may seem sad, but, you know, there's always other things to look forward to in the future. Trust me, I've tried not to look into it, but... I know you'll all be safer, with, even if I'm not around all the time, but as far as that other scroll is concerned, I thought I'd leave something a little light-hearted just to end off this note, you know, not exactly fair to be all down and gloomy. So, I, while I was working on my um, other time travel aspects, I did grind out a little prototype project, you know, I thought it'd be fun to have something with my own legacy involved, so... Uh, Please enjoy these prototypes of this little spell I've been working on. It's not quite iron now, they look for, it's more of a joke than anything, but I have a, a hunch that since it doesn't particularly, or it does slide in nicely with fate, I have a feeling they're going to work out just fine. <laughs> the scrolls inside simply read, uh, Bobbit's Portable Harvest, Antrip, Range Unknown, Duration, hopefully instantaneous, and all the description reads is... Does anyone wish to read the uh, spell scroll? Zinhorn, do you wish to read it? Yes. (laughs) You read it, and with your eyes and perception, you notice that directly behind the foot of Sir Lucian, and an incredibly small portal opens up, and out of it pops a single banana peel. <laughs> oh, underneath, underneath the note, there's uh, underneath that part of the uh, spell description, especially the one that Zinhorn opened. He said, "Zinhorn, I had a feeling you might have read this first. Do it, be a dear, and tell uh, Lucian to take a step back, would you?" Uh, Lucian, step backwards for a moment. Oh, what is there? Something on my oh! He falls backwards, immediately slipping on the banana and lands with a thud on the ground. Everyone begins to laugh. Well, that's going to be... Well, I'd say that's my time, and this is normally the part where we say goodbye, but I know I'll be seeing you all again in some capacity. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe somewhere else entirely. I plan on hopping around a bit. You know, expanding the... Expanding... My little store, going, uh, the first ever interdimensional merchant sounds like a fun idea. Get out and really explore the world. Plus, it'd be fun to, it'd be fun to take, uh, 
Old Acerax and Rasnus sing on evil Rasnus's idea of immortality and use my long life to go where I please, sell what I want, and then eventually when I finally, well, I don't know when it will happen, but I wish to greet death as an old friend and go see if I can find Bolt where we may have ended up. <laughs> that's, I suppose that's it for me. Thanks for taking a chance on an odd little child you found in a tavern. Sincerely your friend, whether you like it or not, Bobbitt Rayburn. P.S. I decided it seemed about right to take in the family name. Plus, Bobbitt and the C didn't exactly roll off the tongue and doesn't look good for business. P.P.S. <laughs> please turn the back of this letter for just one last little surprise. Flip over the letter um, on the back. On the back are some odd symbols that look like something that an artificer would use to mark their products. And as you look at them, they start glowing. And as you hear in the background, it sounds like some, uh, well, it starts off with some banging going, Blinky, Blinky, sit still. We're doing the recording. No, we just, we only have to do this once, I promise. Then after that, you can go back to eating whatever that is. Play, just, just do the sound, okay? All of a sudden, this odd jingle starts playing as what you can only imagine is an advertisement going, at Bobbitt's Multiplane Emporium, we have all your magical needs. From potion spells, weapons, and armors, to weird traits that you've never seen. And if you think our prices are steep, well, that's a crying shame. Because by the time you come back for a refund, we'll have shifted to another plane. That's <laughs> Bobbitt's Multiplane Emporium. Best service guaranteed! And I need to take a quick drink of water before I read the disclaimer because probably should have been talking for a while. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> service is not available in Short the Abyss or Shadowfell, but in the multiplayer poor, and it's a subsidiary of uh, Ray Burton Incorporated. In accordance with Bobbitt's Law Act of 1309, Bobbitt's Multiverse and Poran cannot be held accountable for any sprain, strains, broken bones, magical alteration, or loss of life, limb, original body, or plane of origin during your time in our store. Please shop responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> and with that... And that's all she wrote, folks. With that, our campaign comes to an end. Xenor uh, just looks up and goes, Bobbert, my friend, wherever you are, don't be a stranger. <laughs> I would like to thank everyone, not just the viewers this time, but the players as well. This has been a long campaign that has come to an end. We all have lots of mixed feelings, but for better or worse, the story has been told, the adventure is over. And next week, we will return with a brand new campaign brand new characters set in a brand new world that is not the Forgotten Realms and begin a brand new legacy. So once again, thank you very much for playing your part. I'm the DM, but we wouldn't have a campaign if the players didn't also tell the story. We'll be back, well, we won't be back tomorrow, because we're doing a Vampire the Chicago Chronicles sub-episode, which we record but don't do live. But look out for that popping up over the weekend. 
And then get ready to join us next week for the week of new beginnings. A new D&D campaign, the rise of the elemental evil. And the start of a brand new arc in our vampire campaign, The Sacrifice. So, until then, I'm not going to sign off with anything witty. Because I think everything should be said has been said. Goodbye, everyone.